Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Hey there, sports fans. We've got a full card today. We've got reporters from end to end, so let's get started. On tight, Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio. Greg Penglis Tacular, how are you? Oh, I like that one. That's even better than your your last two. Yeah, Penglistacular. I can't even say it. How do you say Penglistac? You do it. <laughs> Penglistacular. Oh, there we go. That's much more. I'll, I'll I'll practice it. It's like uh, Doctor Fascist. I had to work on his, uh, you know, his name, the genocidal psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying, vaccine drug pusher. That takes practice. It does take practice. And well, why don't we start with him right now? Sure. So he came he came out uh, in an interview on CNN, uh-huh. and so CNN was asking him about a CDC study that found that masks do not work. <laughs> and okay, when, when was the study? Uh, because we've known this since uh, since they put on the box that uh, masks masks don't work. Remember the directions? Remember those boxes out of China, those little blue masks? They all had a thing, does not yeah. stop viruses, which was hysterical. I photographed it. I've got a meme on that. Uh, they've never worked. And we've always known they've never worked. But the CDC actually acknowledged it when? When was that report? So that report came out recently. I don't have the exact date, uh, but oh. it was a recent report. And mm-hmm. so they brought Dr. Fascist on uh, their sh- one of the shows. And... He spun this in such a dramatic way that mm-hmm. the face of the CNN reporter, who I don't remember his name off the top of my head, it doesn't matter. They're, they're, they're all the almost, same anyway. They, it's all propaganda. Yeah, yeah. But, communist but News Market. Yeah, we got the Communist News Network. Yeah, here we go. Okay, that's actually that's German. I should do Russian. It's Russian. It's Communist News Network. It's red. What news you want, we tell you. Okay, bye. Go ahead. Tell me about the report. <laughs> but his, but his, the reporter's eyes look like a cartoon character almost popping out of his socket. Really? So it was and too much hypocrisy, facial, hypocrisy even for them. That's 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 amazing. For, even even for them, it was too much. Oh and what Fauci, it, it what caused this was Fauci said that the. the Basically, he was calling CDC liars and that he's correct and CDC's wrong. But he spun it in such a way that he said the CDC did it in group studies. And, but he was talking about – he said that masks work for individual people. Oh, so then you can't wear one to protect somebody else then if they work for individual people. Correct. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, masks. You know, I, I get on CNN and I, uh, I, I lie because I'm a total psychopath. You know, this is Dr. Fascist here for Action Radio. Yeah, it's one of those things. But uh, just keep wearing your mask. In fact, maybe two or three would be a good idea. Don't forget to wear it in the car. You know, wind the windows up and uh, turn, on, uh, turn on the radio loud and listen to CNN. And I'll tell you exactly what you need to think. Yeah, Dr. Fascist here for Action yeah. Radio. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so so that was the latest on uh, Dr. Fascist. You know, he finally made an appearance after people have been asking him, asking what has happened to him. Uh, well, so he he that. did make I, this. I, I, the less I hear from him, the better. <laughs> I never <laughs> asked that. Yeah, okay. so it, it was it was it was quite amusing. Um, just like I said, just see the facial expression of the CNN reporter. Uh, really stated everything that you needed to know about. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so and now it, it, so, page two. <laughs> so of course, uh, you know th- this whole thing has to do with the fact that the Democrats are trying to make you forget that they closed down the economy. And oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! He's not the, they're not the only one. Don't forget uh, Governor DeSanctimonious. You know, as I used to call him, Dictator DeSantis. I wrote an open letter when he started uh, the whole COVID thing. So you, we can't let him escape. He's trying to escape his past. He closed the beaches. Oh, he yeah. had the Safer at Home program. He closed the schools. He closed parks. He closed everything. Even our own little Milton uh, mayor who went whining to CNN, uh, Mayor uh, Heather Lindsay. After being on the show, she's really on the show, actually. But she, she said, I, I'm just following the chain of command. No, there is no chain of command. You're an independent mayor in an independent city. You know, stop that nonsense. Don't lie to us. But anyway, yeah, no, the, uh, and a lot of folks did. The only governor, the only one who never locked down anything was Christy Noem of South Dakota. The only one. Yep. Everybody else did exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so don't, uh, but, so, but, so they can't but, get in their high horse and talk about how much freedom. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, though, it was Democrats who really did the, the most damage out of all Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. And, well, yeah and, but look and what that so, showed. And they're trying. Look how quickly well, they, it, went, it was, they went to dictatorship. Look how quickly they went. Yeah. There was no hesitation on their part. Cuomo, you know, put uh, diseased COVID people in the nursing homes to kill the old folks off. You know, Witch Widner, Widmer in Michigan closed everything. Gavin Newsom closed everything in California. In fact, now they've got some really ridiculous people out there. They're saying that uh, store owners can be sued if they defend themselves against these. They've actually, yep. you know, they actually have a pro-criminal Bill out there. That's how bad this stuff is getting. And I got Pianchi on. Pianchi, I'll get you in just a bit. Uh, I want to get to Bill's stories out here first. But yeah, go ahead. Don't yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So, uh, you know, between the Black Lives Matter riots, uh, the Antifa storming mm-hmm. of the Capitol, um, you, okay. they're trying to make you forget. Yeah. Well, they're trying to make you forget all of that ever happened. Uh, and how are trying the to do that? Is, what, what's 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 so what's, uh, for what purpose? What are they doing this for? Well, because they want to win the next election, and the more people remember what happened in 2020 the, and realizing now all the corruption that went on during that, there's no way that anyone – you know. well, of course, you still had the 48% who were going to vote for Democrat, even if it was a dog or a rat. Um, it's not that high, but, you know, but it's about 30% because yeah. they're 30% liberal and 30% watching football. Yeah. So, but, you know, but regardless, right, but those football people are the stupidest ones because they're the ones who are not paying attention at all, and they're just going to check mark a box. No, they're independents. Some of them are pretty smart. They just don't want to be a Republican or a Democrat, and I don't blame them. I'm only a Republican for convenience for the the primaries, but that's it. Yeah, but most of the independents, though, um, are either 
more true, uh, well, very minor group of them are li- more libertarian, but the majority mm-hmm. of them are actually li- uh, liberal, and most of them do end up voting Democrat more times than Republican. That's um, and, and yeah, it is really bad, and, and that's the problem with America today. Uh, but the more the news gets out that Black Lives Matter was nothing more than a Marxist scam to overthrow the government uh, or, di- or dismantle the government, um, the more we find out that Antifa was the one behind uh, the January 6th mm-hmm. conspiring with the Democrats and the D.C. police. Uh, the more we find out about more of this and the more that stuff comes out, the less likely those independents will vote for those Democrats because even they wouldn't be able to deny it. Uh, so you hear the spin happening right now. Um, and then the more that the Black Lives Matter people are called out, saying, why aren't you uh, calling out anything about black-on-black crime? And their spin on it is, well, that's not the purpose of Black Lives Matter. The purpose of Black Lives Matter is to stop uh, racial discrimination. Well, no, it, it, Black it, Lives Matter is to make money. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a self-funding group. That's what it is. That's all they are. They're a money-making group for the people involved using racial guilt to, to uh, try and uh, you know, suppress white people, make them horrible, and, donate, and large corporations donate billions of dollars to them, and they all buy you know, magnificent mansions with the money. It's an extortion scheme. Yep. It's like uh, Jesse Jackson with uh, Operation Push. You'd go to corporations and say, pay me you know, X million dollars or I'll, I'll tell everybody you're racist. Well, we're not racist. Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not the point of this. The point is you're going to pay us money. I mean, it's extortion. I mean, this right. has been going on for a it, long time. It is. And so it, they are, it, Black Lives Matter is a black supremacist group. Let's, let's be, uh, let's be yep. direct about this. You know, Antifa well, is a is. Marxist supremacist group. Both Black Lives Matter and Antifa are militant arms of the deep state. I don't even say Republicans or Democrats. There really aren't any Republicans or Democrats anymore. There's America first and there's deep state. And that's how it lines up. And so these people are just militant arms of them. Um, I think, let me bring Pianchi at this point because I think there's something he's going to want to add to. So, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Pianchi, what do you think? Well, you're getting better. Well, thank you. I try. Under your your tutelage and careful guidance, I shall mature appropriately. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And your guests have to always remember that uh, black-on-black crime is racism, too. Well, what it is. Bill about that. Bill's a regular reporter. Bill's been, I think, it was my first reporter. He's the one that got me involved with that. So Bill's been with the show as long as it's been a show. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so, uh, hey, Bill. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Bill, yeah, yeah black I, I, I come and go, but, you know. They're here now. Yeah, Bill, when black when blacks from Chicago are shooting each other, that's racism. Wouldn't it be called so if you was doing it? But anyway, they're back. The new variant. It got Jill Biden, and now well, of course because she had COVID shots. To hurry up, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right because if the CDC that people said that people who have had the vaccination is more prone to the new variant. Yeah. Is that what well, we talked about that. Yesterday, we had Jason Shepard on, which is fabulous, because he's going to make us a nice big profile on Winkin. So we are on our way, folks. Things are, are about to happen here. But uh, we talked about the, the, the jab, the COVID shot. And I told him, I said, look, this thing does two things. One, it's designed to give you COVID. And two, it destroys your immune system. I said, it's a marketing device. And it's very good at what it does. It's like a product. It's like, um, you know, when they salt uh, stuff at the movies, they salt popcorn so much, they make you thirsty. So you buy drinks, which has salt in them, which makes you thirsty. So you buy more drinks. And then you get hungry. So you buy more popcorn. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's a, it's a marketing scheme. But it's quite fascinating. But yeah, that's the COVID shot is designed to give you COVID. Now, I don't think she actually has COVID. I think that's just a, a marketing, that's a political device uh, too. But is there anybody who is more elder abusive in this country today than Jill Biden? No. What is she doing? Yeah, I mean, what do you think of that, both of you? I mean, none, no one. Uh, there is no, no other uh, case that is more prominent and in the spotlight than elder, in, in elder abuse than Jill Biden, what she's been doing to Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. She's profiting off of it. Uh, people mm-hmm. around them are profiting off of Joe. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, um, if you believe uh, some of the um, videos that have come out, um, Joe, this is not really Joe Biden at all anyways. At Joe Biden, no, I believe it's Joe Biden. Uh, ex- yeah, that right, he has actually question. died and that this is, and that this is just a uh, um, an actor. Now, apparently he's had a lot of plastic surgery, so he doesn't look like Joe Biden anymore. But here's my real question. Who do you think Jill Biden is having an affair with? Because she ain't, she ain't doing it with Joe. <laughs> I'll tell you that well, right now. She ain't. She too old. She, she's dry wood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to well, go yeah, that far. I, I, well, I, I was going to say something. Very, uh, you, I was going to use the word dry, but I wasn't going to use the word word wood with it but i like that well better. that usually applies to that's guys really but uh this is this is no i mean think about it too i mean it's like the the chef was we got to keep the, the chef alive uh tamari you know from uh, obama you know what happened to him and craig robertson who was killed by the the fbi in uh, uh in vegas we can't forget our people who have died mysteriously and so what's going on so who's michelle doing it with <laughs> was was she doing it with the chef she was doing it with the chef okay yes definitely so, with the chef so, so who's Jill Biden doing it with? Because she's not doing it with Joe. Nobody. Joe, you know, Joe. You know, Joe doesn't have to worry about remembering her name. Joe has to worry about remembering anybody's name. <laughs> you know, so well, who's, yeah, who's Jill, name? Biden, Jill Biden is past the stage. She ain't doing nothing with nobody. And Hillary Clinton uh-huh. is too evil to and to enjoy, so she's neither. <laughs> That's true too. That but she's so psychopathic. Um, but Jill, how come nobody complains about Jill Biden? As, as elder abusive, and how come, you know, there, there's if it were the same thing that uh, Melania were explo- exploiting Donald Trump, as much as they hate Donald Trump, they'd say something against her just to just to say something against her. So this is an so, interesting uh, phenomenon. If you say something about elder abuse with Jill Biden, then you're right. admitting that Joe is incapable of running the country and he should be stepping down. Oh, I think I admitted that what 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but ran. but it, but if Jill. If, if, if the Democrats are going to accuse Jill of it, then mm-hmm. they're admitting that Joe is incapable of running and basically saying that, yeah, we're voting for a guy who is not capable of uh, running the country. No, I don't expect the Democrats. I expect the Republicans to do it, but they're geldings. Uh, they're, they're, they're without uh, gonads. They, they have no ability to do anything. Remember that meme I posted not too long ago? I said, does anybody have any faith that the Republicans will do anything positive when they come back? And universally, everybody said no. No. They won't. Okay. They never so do. So what about McCarthy? Um, How is McCarthy going to be speaker? Let's ask that. Oh, uh, he given. Um, let's see. He will until uh, next year. I think twenty twenty four. Yeah, he will lose his speakership. Um, I think wow. we're going to see a, a turn. Cause I think we're going to see a turnover in the House uh, presidential okay, so year. Now, uh, do you uh, think it's going to make it to the election? I mean, Matt Gates is talking about getting rid of him January first, or the new session. So uh, the new year. Because he won't do an, uh, he won't do an impeachment. Well, well, he already tried. He already tried, and he didn't have the support the first time. Okay. Yeah. So, what makes you think that he has uh, more stroke January first than he did 
Ooh, uh, back in... is, is it like a Washington power word? <laughs> That's great. How much, <laughs> how much power do you have? Uh, you know, how much clout, how much, uh, uh, what's, what are some of the other words they use for this? You know, uh, how much stroke. grease, how much stroke, <laughs> how much, uh, wait, you've been listening to Billy Squire too much or what? Well, I do listen That's to him small. on occasion. Okay, yeah, inside uh, uh, references here. But seriously, though, the question is, was McCarthy put there specifically? Why I think he was the same reason Paul Ryan was, the same reason Mitt Romney ran, and the same reason that John McCain ran. They are the deep state plants that are designed to make the Republicans lose to Democrats at every possible opportunity. That's why he's there. He's not there for the country. He's not there for America first. He's not there for the Republican Party. He is there for the deep state to make sure that the real Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, doesn't do anything. Sorry. Well, that's what it's, hard. Hard. it's always been about that. It's very hard to find any you know, concentration of Republicans that's American first. It seems like they don't exist. Okay, you know, uh, first of all, we have to really uh, talk about America first because America first has nothing to do with politicians because there are, except for Donald Trump, zero politicians that believe in America first. They all believe in themselves first, and they're always going to do what's best for them first. And if that means selling out to the Democrat, then they will. And and that's the problem that we've run into in America today is not only do these quote-unquote America first voters vote for these people, they're blinded and easily fooled by these people. You know, the ones who claim that they're America first but then go ahead and vote in favor of uh, red flag laws, um, ones that claim to be America first, but then raise your taxes um, and restrict your freedoms even more. And everyone in the Republican Party is guilty of that. And, you know, and that's where the problem really begins is that people don't understand what America first really means. America first means freedom, and that means mm-hmm. freedom – on stuff that you may not agree with, and just because Wait, it doesn't mean remember. you're on a roll. This is good. Just just keep talking. And it doesn't mean that. Oh, <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah, no, keep going. Really no, this is this is good. Momentum here. You're you're but on yeah, a roll, Bill. It, keep it, going. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's true that you know, you know, they take away your freedoms and they use America first, saying, "Oh, well, we need to be more secure." We need, we need the Patriot Act to be America first. No, the Patriot Act is communist and has nothing to do with America first. America first is saying, Greg, you're an idiot, and I'm allowed to say that on the radio. And, and, and you, but you also have the right to say, Bill, you are wrong, and you're a goofball. And that's what America really is. It's the freedom to say stuff. There are consequences, but there's not supposed to be laws that restrict me from saying that. And restricting you from saying this. And that's the problem that we have today is that people do not understand. You know, the biggest misconception that I've ever seen, and I think it's Thomas Sowell, Sowell uh, that once said, um, our, uh, now I just lost what that quote said. Wait a minute, hang on, I'll give you a round of applause. That was great. Thank you. We're going to call it the American Political Effect. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Greg? Uh-huh. Greg, Bill, forgive me for having distress in my voice and watery eyes. That was just marvelous. <laughs> I just felt inspired. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get Yankees here, right too. Right today, right? 
Let's see the Bianchi. <laughs> we have but, you know, uh, so, so both you two worked, help me though. with the quote because I, I saw this quote the other day and I can't remember. And it's a mm-hmm. long quote. It basically says that taxes are. Uh, it talks about um, uh, evolved society. It's Thomas uh, Sowell. So, no, um, so, Thomas Sowell is like so, ninety something years old. He's amazing. Um, and, and yeah, but well it's, an old, it's an old quote. Yeah. Okay. It's an old quote well, taxes, that talks about that. Uh, taxes that you're are for to the pay necessary. Taxes. Right. They're for the necessary expenditures yeah. of government for services to we the people of the United States. That's it. That's what taxes are for. So anything that's not necessary, it shouldn't be taxable. Anything that's spent that doesn't go to we the people of the United States, in other words, citizens and some permanent residents, uh, is, is illegal. And so that's what taxes are for. So only American citizens and, and permanent residents can pay taxes, uh, and that's how it works. Obviously, that's a but propaganda. But taxes are really just the way of su- – taxes are used to suppress people, and that's what taxes mm. are absolutely for. But that's not their purpose. I mean, that's what they're used for. Taxes are used to, to distribute income. Taxes are used for equity. Taxes are used for all kinds of stupid things. But what they should be used for is, is only for the necessary expenditures of government to do only those things that government is supposed to do, which is to protect life, liberty, and property. That's it. Well, what about the next event like that? that's coming up? What's, what's that about the next event that's coming up? September the 30th is the end of the fiscal year. And right. October 1st is when the new budget is supposed to come on. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Don't we have some appropriations bills? Twelve appropriations bills are supposed to be passed by the Congress after careful study and debate and analysis over the course of the previous fiscal year. Did that happen? Well, this is the the problem we have. Well, this is the problem we have in uh, September is Mm -hmm. you have military budgets um, that they haven't used their money on. We passed that already. The National Defense Act, uh, the NDA has already been passed. Okay, well, no, listen, yeah, I know, but what I'm saying, though, is that this is the month that they spend unnecessarily to prove that they need all that money for the next year. This is the month that that, that, that all all the extra money, all the extra money gets spent on lobster dinners, pool Mm -hmm. tables. Um, Every year, Rand Paul uh, posts a list of all the unnecessary spending uh, that happens in September uh, just so that uh, they could use up the remaining of their budget. This is each department. It's not just military. You know, Department of Education, uh, you name it, they will spend money uselessly just in order to use up their budget so they get the same amount of budget or more. That- so what Congress needs to do is take a look at that, and, and any money spent in September you know, should be stricken from the budget. Now, of course, what they'll do is they'll just spend it in August. But what I'm saying is Congress right. needs to look at that, look at that kind of excess spending and say, okay, where did you stop spending for your agency, and when did you spend so you could get the same amount of money next time? Or the presumption of growth. I mean, they start with last year's budget, and they add like 5% to it, and then they start negotiating for the increase above that. So what they really need to do is what uh, Russia was uh, going for, zero-based budgeting. So your budget is zero. Now justify everything. That's how they should do it. And it should be done with proper appropriations. And it's supposed to be a year-long process. That's why we have an appropriations committee in the House and a budget committee in the Senate. That's what their job is. That's that's all their job is. The most important thing government does is spend money, spend taxpayer money. So that should take up a majority of what they do. And when I talked to Walter Williams when he was still alive, he was on the show. It was my first big interview. And we talked about this. You know, and we said that the federal budget shouldn't be more than about uh, a trillion and a half, you know, because there are only three things they're supposed to do. Um, defense, 
uh, infrastructure and the necessary offices. And he told me that the defense is about 70% of the budget. It should be. Uh, infrastructure is about 20, 25%. And then the necessary offices, you know, of the government that are in the constitution is about another 5%. That's your budget. That's it. And but you know, my recommendation Greg. Go ahead, Pianchi. What was that? I'm sorry. Bill and Greg, my recommendation would be that we're going to go over the budget that was set. So mm-hmm. what should be done for October the 1st, you reduce your budget by 10 15%. That way you don't be raising a ceiling. So the reduction of 10 to 15% becomes the new floor, and you don't go no higher. And if some things have to be cut, like you just got through mentioning, the purchase of lobsters and pool tables and stuff, it's going to be mm-hmm. cut. You don't yeah. have the money for it. Well, they should cut 20%, I think, anyway. Just everybody should get a 20% cut immediately and let them figure it out. But the better thing, I think, is our constitutional amendment. This is the Congress cannot borrow money. If you take away the power to borrow money, they're figuring on borrowing $2 trillion this year. Well, that's insane. There's no reason for that. Um, because if you audit the government, if you look at all the things that they're spending money on throughout the year, that is a total waste. You know, the study of mating habits of cockroaches in Madagascar, you know, for, or whatever else they're doing. There's so much waste in government that they could easily cut probably, you know, uh, a third to half their budget simply on, on duplication and waste alone. Someone's well, why don't they just still come, online. What, what, what they ahead. really should be doing is treating them like board of directors and that you don't get, you're, you don't get paid unless there's a profit. Well, you could do that. I mean, there's a lot of things they could do, but the problem is they won't do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, all they no, do is because, have automatic increases. The taxpayers in... refuse, well, taxpayers well, just refuse to stand up to these, to these agents. I mean, to well, the, the other agents. The average person, and this is part of the process too, is that they, these people, have, the people of this country, have been so beaten down, and and so you know they don't even think that, that we can succeed, even though I know we can't, especially with what happened yesterday. Um, but uh, the change is coming. But uh, you know the constitutional amendment to to ban Congress from borrowing money, uh, things like this, appropriation strategies, this stuff is all possible. But people are so beaten down that we're going to have to show some success before people will actually support us, so we'll have some real success. So it's going to happen. It's just a question of how and when, but that's what needs to happen. People don't believe it. They just don't think that anything will change, and that's by design so that nothing will change, and we need to change that. To, to cover, we've got about four minutes before Wendy comes in. Well, so I, um, I, I went to D.C. last Friday. I uh, just oh. spent the day there. Um, yes, I did. You know, I to... <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, so uh, yes, I did go uh, to the U.S. Capitol. Um, uh-huh. You know, t- toward that, uh, you know, then I had a, you know, I thought the pass I had got me on the Senate and House floor, but it didn't. So I had to go to Matt Gates's office. Um, and did you, you, know, did you see our, our dear congressman? Was he there? No, he's, he, you know, he was back here already. Oh, okay. um, but, you know, the, the, the weird part, and maybe it's because they weren't in session, but mm-hmm. once you pass security, mm-hmm. you pretty much have free reign to go wherever you want to go. And it was really bizarre and kind of creepy. Um, you know, uh, Matt Gates is uh, so you go on on the on the ground floor. Matt Gates is mm-hmm. uh, one floor one floor be- his office is one floor below the main floor, and Can then I there's another the basement. basement. <laughs> yeah, well, there's view. one below there's one below him, so I can't say it's the basement. But you know, yeah, you're okay. walking down these hallways, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's. Do you remember? Uh, did you ever see the movie Resident Evil? No, I was there. I interned in Washington. I've walked all those hallways. Oh, right. I used yeah. to ride the, so, so the you subway. Know what I'm talking about. Okay. I even rode yeah, the subway so, uh, with senators and House members between the two chambers right. under the Capitol. So I, so, I've been all over yeah, that. Was, but that was in the yeah, 80s so it, when it was it, even more open than it is now. Yeah, but you know, it, it was weird because we were just walking around. I was looking for his mm-hmm. office. I was just kind of walking around, 
and yeah, there's no normal. security anywhere. Oh, and, they're watching. You know, Don't worry just, about it. You're on camera. You know, I know they are, but but it was just it was very bland in just pure white hallways with a bunch mm-hmm. of closed doors. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. Matt Gates's office is right. And went to, the one thing I was kind of confused on, and I saw because you know your expectation is way different than reality. Uh, the reality is very underwhelming uh, when you go yeah. inside the house, uh, inside the house uh, rooms. Uh, mm-hmm. So Matt Gates's office is right across the hall from the Committee of Ways and Means. That's convenient. And I'm going, well, I just found that weird that this is in the basement and it's just a normal door. I expected, you know, like what you see on uh, well, C-SPAN like or Taj something Mahal, like that. Do you expect a palace or something? This is the people's house. This is America. It's not, it's not a palace. It's not royalty. I know what you're saying. You expected more. Yeah. But, uh, and the reason is so the, the, they don't have as much security there. Once you get in, you know, unlike January 6th where they forced people in, um, but uh, they normally have doors, which are big. You could not open those doors with an army. Uh, they have security, mm-hmm. and you would not get past that security, you know, unless they'd completely, you know, x-rayed you your five generations back. Yeah, but once you're in, you're in. You know, then yeah. – and, and that's how it works because most people don't go to Washington. They're the real rabble rousers. They're protesting. They're doing other things. But the actual business that goes in Washington, it, it's kind of boring. It's like when we talk about legislation here, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's a fascinating no. place to be. But I was all over that capital. I pretty much lived there, uh, even though I was working with a consumer group, you know, for the four months I was in Washington. It was fascinating. But the real work doesn't get done in, in, in the Capitol building. It gets done in the restaurants, no. the golf courses. It's yep. done, you know, I remember the, the uh, ladies of the evening that used to be outside my, uh, my little office on K Street there to pick up the, the, the Congress folks and delegates and everything else, and off they go. Uh, no, it, the business of Washington has nothing to do with it. By the time it gets to the Capitol, it's already done. It was done months yeah, previously. Yeah, it's been done. And, and it's, that's, it's the same thing with Tallahassee. All the, all, same thing with yeah. uh, Tallahassee. All the bills are done before uh, they even meet for the first time. Uh, but the mm-hmm. last thing I do want to mention, um, yes. I've been to D.C. three times uh, in the last uh, seven years. 2016, mm-hmm. um, all the vendors, all, uh, all the street vendors in 2016, it was pretty much 50-50 Trump Clinton stuff that they were selling. 2018, 100% Clinton, I mean, 100% Trump stuff that was uh, being sold. Uh, this in D.C.? Time, this past, in oh. D.C., okay. Right. Uh, right. These are street vendors, okay. okay. This time, the last Friday, 100%, actually, let me take that back, 80% Trump was being sold. The other 20% were general Washington, D.C., sweatshirts, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast really? Guard. No branding? Yes. No, no Biden stuff at all. In fact, the only time I saw anything that uh, talked about Biden was a homeless guy um, in Lee Square with a, a Vote Biden 24 hat on. One was it Biden? homeless guy. Oh, okay. It, it wasn't well, Biden. It, okay. it, it kind of looked like a black version <laughs> of Biden, but yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, one homeless guy the entire time I was in D.C., I did not see anybody at all with anything that said Biden at all. Never. Did, did it say Obama? Did it have any Obama material? No, no. Everything was Trump. Everything that's a riot. was Trump. Even in D.C. And and that's it, funny that it's in D.C. Okay. Wendy's on the line, so let's, it, uh, let's get you. Yeah, uh, so, it, it, yeah, okay, so it was like ahead. that in 2018 also, in 2016. Um, huh. you know, I, well, I saw a lot. Of, I did see Obama stuff in 2016 because he was just mm. uh, he was winding down. But yeah, right. so you know, so 
so what you're hearing across the country is exactly what is happening in D.C. is that this is Trump's country, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it is being stolen. But I do have yeah, to but go that's, over to my that's dollar today. That they stole yeah. the election. Otherwise, I, everybody knows yeah. they stole the election, especially the people that stole the election. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So I got to go over my dollar for today. You guys uh, go have a good rest of the show. We'll talk more next week. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Glad you had a great time in D.C. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. See, I'm really starting to enjoy Wednesdays. I've got Bill, then I've got Wendy, then I've got Bonnie, then I've got Bianca. This is one amazing day. There's wall-to-wall reporters. It's so much fun. Um, so, Wendy, the, a meme yesterday uh, was talking about shadows. There was a Trump shadow, a uh, Kamala shadow, and a Biden shadow. Yeah. And we, we got to joking about mm-hmm. this. Um, we need call signs. And I think yours for me is, is, I don't know, pretty arrogant, but I like it anyway. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, we should do it. We, we should pick our shadow personalities. We all need call signs um, that we should. We'll talk about it in the group. But, uh, but you can't think of your own. You, other people have to name you. So if that's what you want to call me, we'll put it to the group. Uh, so just let folks know. So we had, uh, um, <laughs> uh, we had another person put on uh, my shadow was Woody Woodpecker, which I thought was hysterical. Um, but uh, Wendy put the brain. <laughs> Uh, had this like rotating brain. So uh, if you want to call me the brain, <laughs> I mean, that, like I say, it's arrogant, but I kind of like it. <laughs> anyway, so we're all going to have our, calls, our own call signs. I'll think of one for you, Wendy, or we'll put it to the group and see what they come up with. Anyway, that was funny. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you what, it's, um, I think it was kind of really funny because, you know, it's called the shadow government, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and everybody's got, you know, everybody had their own little, shadow shape uh representing them you know, not their own actual shadow but you know what right. the shadow represented of them and um i so i thought that was you know really quite funny because uh everybody's perception is different mm-hmm. you know because uh, i i would have never ever thought about woody woodpecker being your shadow <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't have either that's why it's so funny uh and that was hysterical but uh, we should go over the, the shadows real quickly just the the three that were there because they're really accurate uh, it's, it's pretty funny then we'll get uh, we'll get a name for Pianchi too, but uh, everybody needs a name. <laughs> All the regulars on the show, we're going to get our own our own shadow name. So okay, go ahead. Yeah. So who was Trump? Um, Trump was the lion, mm-hmm. and Kamala was a snake, mm-hmm. and Biden was a shadow of this old guy on a walker. <laughs> Wait, I, I'd like to know who did that because that's really funny. So anybody go to the post. It's, it's on there. I think it's under Wendy's. Uh, uh, is it a public post where folks can reach it, or, or is it like friends only? I mean, I'll post it on my page otherwise. Uh, no, it's on my um, on the uh, Action Radio comedy page. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, yeah, that's doing really well. You know, like I said, it's a good thing God has a it is. humor because we're, we're just, I, and that just came to me like a couple months ago. I said, well, we really need a comedy page for all these funny memes because separately they're not as good, but you put them all together. So that's the Action Radio Comedy Freedom Frontier if anybody wants to join us there. Uh, no membership, no, you know, I don't, I don't restrict unless you're really bad. You know, I think I've only taken one post off. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, uh, it's the Wild West out there of comedy. It's kind of fun. Yeah, well, and if you think about it, um, mm-hmm. during the Depression, 
uh, you know, the vaudeville, you know, was a hit because mm. people needed to laugh. Yeah. yeah when, and whenever things get really dark, humor mm-hmm. comes to the forefront because it's a way of coping with the world and, and the situation at hand. And, you know, scripture uh, tells you not to be, you know, for, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So don't be looking and concentrating at what's going on around you. You have to be aware of what's happening, of course, but mm-hmm. don't dwell on it. Don't let your mind stick on it because then depression sets in and, and the, the fret and the worry and the anxiety and all that kind of crap comes in. So in Philippians, it tells us, you know, to think on these things and then it lists whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is of excellence and of a good report, whatever is lovely, think on these things. You know, and so comedy, I think, falls into that because it's saying, you know, keep it light because God really is in control. And if you keep looking at the bad stuff and what's going on, you start thinking that somebody else is in control, that the enemy is in control or evil itself. If you don't, you know, if you're not into um, God is is God and Satan is your enemy, then then you just think that the world, that's just the way the world is. It, It becomes this generic the world is bad. No, there's there's a reason behind whatever you think is bad. So uh, think on the good things. If you enjoy flowers, go out and smell some flowers, man. You know, stop and smell the roses. That that's exactly right. I actually right. do that. And, and, and I, I do that. Yeah. Say, Excuse me, I got to stop and smell the flowers. Like, what are you talking about? I do. They're here. They are. And people don't realize that, but you actually do do that. Uh, you should. Oh, I've got your I've got your name by the way. I think I'll call you Bugs Bunny. Remember that meme? There's a meme in the there's a meme in the oh my god page. There's another one of our groups where Bugs Bunny is saying, uh, "No, <laughs> I thought of you." <laughs> so you're, you're going to be your 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 code name your call sign is going to be Bugs Bunny. So I'll be the brain, you be Bugs Bunny, and we'll kind of go from there. No, Bugs in the brain or brain Bugs in the brain. Yeah, that's that's so we've got two names already. We'll have to kind of go from there. I'll, I'll put it to the group and see what happens. But. Uh, People don't think about that. They don't think about us having a sense of humor. And I talked about that with some, there was another post that, that came out, you know, so, it, you know, it can't be serious all the time. I remember there was a, a documentary or a movie that I was watching and it had, um, had a, a quote from Jesus, let the day's trouble be sufficient for the day. And I was like, don't go looking for yeah. more. Yeah. Is, right. Where's that from? For tomorrow has a message of its own. Yes. Okay. Where's that from? One of the gospels? Hold on for a second. Okay. Um, well, uh, Ooh, I stumped the biblical scholar. This is great. Let's get the ancient Greek and uh, Hebrew while we're at it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, Wendy's looking up our biblical. Well, well you yeah. asked, and I had, you know, now I have to. This is where I need, like, the Jeopardy theme. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Do, 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 do. And it depends do, do. on which version you're looking up to because it's worded. Okay. You know, King James, you don't have to look it up now. I, I, I just, oh, I'm okay. just happy that I got, a, I got some scripture correct. I mean, that, that's, that's a novelty in and of itself. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, anyway. I, then Did you have I a topic? Have to I mean, we just, right <laughs> I think I've taken you 10 minutes off your topic, but that's okay. What was your, or, was, or was this your topic? And I just happened to hit it by serendipitous accident. Um, well, yes, because it's just um, because what's coming, 
you know, and I did, you know, two weeks in a row about that. So I didn't want to, you know, weigh everybody down again, although I'm not changing my mind about it. You really do need to be prepared. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed. Of what's coming, the, the darkness that is coming, um, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to please don't dwell on that. I mean, it's, you can't escape it. You're going to be involved in it, but you don't mm-hmm. have to let it overwhelm you. It's, it's not a blanket of darkness that you can't get out of. It's temporary. We don't know how long it's going to last, but it's temporary. Um, so if you could just focus on the good things. I'm, I'm asking you to make a conscious decision um, and be purposeful and intentional about laughing, about finding joy, about um, thinking of things that make you your, your heart happy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have um, faith in Jesus Christ, then um, you're going to have to do it the best that you can. But those who have faith in Jesus um, and trust him and know that he's got you, you really have a peace that nobody else is going to have because peace is going to be at a premium during this, this episode, this time, this darkness that comes. But you don't have to let it overwhelm you. Do you find that people who follow Jesus Christ have uh, either a more or a better sense of humor? I, I find liberals are miserable all the time. And the world's a terrible oh. place, and it's doom and gloom. And uh, you know, I've you know tried dating liberals, and, and they hate me. You know, let's say I can't believe you said that. And actually, it was a, a really funny incident. Uh, back in one of my online adventures, I met someone, and I didn't bring politics into it until she asked something incredibly political, and of course, I had to respond. She says, "You, you're one of them." And she starts walking away from me. I said, "Where are you going?" I said, "We're done." I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're just talking. No, no, you're you're a conservative. I can't talk to you. Oh, okay, fine. Well, I guess that was that. Anyway, well, it's that bad. That's the thing. It is yeah. that bad because, you know, their narrative is doom and gloom because that, that's how their, their father, the enemy, you know, the Satan works. It's, okay. it's all doom and gloom. It's all um, intimidation. It's all fear. And if you mm-hmm. can't get somebody to agree with you um, and parrot what you are telling them to believe and think, then you are an enemy, and so you must be intimidated into you know, cowing uh, down, and um, and they're miserable all the time. There is no joy. There is no laughter, that, unless it's mm-hmm. derisive laughter at, at you know, your uh, opponent. But everything is about opponents. Everything is about being against something, you know, and where if you have faith in Jesus, it's like you are for what God is for, and, you know, you are, you're going to stand up against what God is against. Um, and, yeah, there's going to be opposition. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to live your life just constantly in this negative state. It's, you know, yeah. No, because God's kingdom has joy. That, that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's, that's something he actually gives you um, mm-hmm. no matter what it looks like around you because joy is on the inside. It's not dependent on anything around you. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy is not. Joy overrides anything else going on around you. Oh, that makes sense. That's interesting. I never thought about it, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's like our attitude here at Action Radio. Uh, something, in, you know, in all doom and gloom and everything going around and, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Fattis is bringing back his masks, which uh, we know don't work because they say so in the box. Um, <laughs> they do. Yeah, Dr. Fascist is back. Yeah, I'm a total psychopath. Yeah, here we are for us. This is Dr. Fascist for Action Radio. Don't wear a mask. Don't listen to anything I say because, you know, I am a psychopath and it's working because you, know, you believe me. <laughs> anyway, um, something incredible happened yesterday. We had uh, Jason Shepard on, who was a, a high-tech, you know, social media platform guru. And it looks like we're going to get a really nice big profile on Winkin. 
his uh, social media site. So despite all the doom and gloom, despite all the problems, despite the fact that we have an illegal administration, uh, despite the fact that all these things are going on and the Republicans, are, the geldings are like, oh, no, we can't do anything about it. You know, here we are saying, you know what, we're going to get a new profile. We're gonna, I have a new law I just wrote on uh, uh, compliance costs and everything else for people being investigated. We are still full steaming ahead. I don't care how bad it looks or gets or anything like that. I don't care. There's a bright future ahead. The freedom That's and prosperity right. is coming. And we're just, uh, we're just going. Uh, I'm not uh, slowing down for a second. So I got joy. Tons of it. That's right. I'm, That's I'm right. Happy because you are, you are staying true to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And if there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Hmm. Because if you are one of those um, who, as Scripture says in James, you know, are blown about by every wind of doctrine, uh, that you know, whatever the latest trend in what is, whatever the fad is, or whatever um, the the latest move or wave of anything is, if you're going with that flow, you are never going to be steady. You are going to be what the scriptures call a double-minded man. And hmm. it says that a, double, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Not just the topic of the moment, but you are unstable in all of your ways. If you don't have a foundation to stand on, if you aren't willing to say, no, I'm going against the flow on this, Um, I'm standing up against this, this is not right, God says it's not right, and Mm -hmm. if you don't like it, take it up with him. But I'm standing for what God says is not right. Yeah. I think of Bill Clinton who uh, took a poll, you know, deciding what color underwear to wear. I mean, he would take a poll on everything because he had no conscience of his own. He had no mind of his own. He's very good at analyzing. No. But, you know, and, and contrast that with Obama, who is absolutely convinced in his Marxist, you know, ungodly ideology that he is self-righteously correct. Of course, he's wrong. But uh, he was very steady. Uh, but he was just completely wrong. And so there's two different types of politicians, you know, that uh, one exemplifies what you're talking about and the other one doesn't, but he's really very solid, but completely solid with, without a, you know, a base in God and freedom and, uh, you know, prosperity, but a basis in Marxism and control and ideology. That's true. And, you know, once you can have good traits, mm-hmm. um, you know, staying focused and um, sticking with a plan is a good trait, but where is the motivation coming from hmm. Obama could, could stick with a plan. He's still sticking with a plan. He's still trying to implement it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, not, uh, not that far but, behind. <laughs> He's pretty open right it's, now. It's, it's, it's from the wrong camp. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. It, it's pure evil. And, and, mm-hmm. and so his motivation's wrong. Uh, his, his, his entire soul is corrupt. Um, so it's, it's important that we understand that, um, you can have good traits, um, admirable traits, but if the motivation is wrong, if, if the source is wrong, all of it's wrong. But you can let God take that and turn it around. Because if, if prime example, Paul, he was the first terrorist. Really? Um, if you think about it. Because okay. he persecuted Christians. He, he was a, a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was so highly educated and understood this, the law more than anyone. And he was on fire for God, so he thought. He thought he was doing the right thing by persecuting and killing men, women, and children who believed in Jesus. Because they thought he was a heretic. Not so what's a Pharisee God. again? So, uh, who are they? Who are the Pharisees? A Pharisee 
a Pharisee was a religious leader of the day. Mm-hmm. You had the mm. Sadducees and the Pharisees, and um, they were the two major sects, and they basically ruled the world because, you know, the religious world um, rulers ruled the day back then. You know, you had kings and you had pharaohs and you had all these things, but, um, well, pharaohs had, you know, sorcerers, so they mm-hmm. didn't really have, you know, people of the church in there. But it a little was different, yeah. um, basically the rulers of the synagogues, um, mm-hmm. and they were so into the law that they could not even see Jesus as the Messiah. No, it's this is this is how it is, and that's it. And even though there was plenty of scriptures in the Torah about uh-huh. the Messiah coming, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, so you're wait not a minute. This you, is you this is a huge topic that uh, I think we need to explore. No, not today, obviously. Uh, probably takes some preparation. But the idea, uh, the reason that Jews today do not consider Jesus the Messiah, and where the split was, and how this happened, you just opened up an entire new topic. Make a note, please. <laughs> We'll do this again. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah but wouldn't that be fascinating? And, and they, to talk they about will that? tell you. Uh-huh. Well, and and the Jews will tell you there is no way that the Messiah is going to be born in a manger. There's no way he is going to be yeah you know, born to a poor family. Yeah, no, that's not how kings are, are brought into the world. And you know they don't believe in the virgin well, birth. And they don't believe in. in <laughs> not yeah, earthly yeah. king, maybe, but uh, yeah, but actually for for yeah. the son of God, it seems perfect. I know the rabbi. I got, well, the, I got the Brooklyn. We'll talk to a rabbi. We'll see if we can uh, get you on the air together. We'll talk, then we'll go to a deli. We'll have some uh, kosher food. It's going to be a good time. Great. Bring on the rabbi. We, we need a they, rabbi for the show. <laughs> well, but, they expected a king mm-hmm. to be born with pomp and circumstance, like, like their really? kings were. Right? Huh. Um, okay. And, and, you know, to be in uh, royal robes and, and have all kinds of money. And, you know, because back then, if you had money, you were blessed. And uh, unfortunately, that thought still it runs today. Oh, if you're poor, you're doing something wrong. You know, God, God, God doesn't love you, and, and His favor is not upon you. And you know, <laughs> that is so true. You know, okay, I, I've whatever. never had money, and uh, I've had wild adventures, and done crazy things, and done, you know, uh, some amazing things. Uh, for you know, again, <laughs> stop patting myself on the back. But I've never had money, and people look upon me. Uh, you know, as well, if you're not successful, what are you talking about? Look at all the things I've done. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they haven't generated a fortune, but that's that's not what makes me happy. It will when I have a jet. That's right. But yeah, but, it, but people really still look upon you if you're not successful, if you don't have the, which drives people into careers they don't like and lives they don't like and misery and early suicide and all kinds of yeah. horrible things. It's, it's really bad. Exactly. Stop, you know, if you do something that you love and you make money at it, you know, that's great. <laughs> you know, uh, in fact, yeah, uh, most great. things you love will make money for you eventually. But the problem is uh, the, the love of money itself. That's the problem. Yes. Ruins huh. everything. It really does. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'll say another, on- <laughs> I don't know if I should confess this, this is kind of funny. Uh, another online, you know, dating adventure for a while. I had uh, through when I met, they all said the same thing. I was unstable. I think we talked about this before. What they really meant was I didn't have any money. I said, yeah, well, it's just starting action radio, you know, and uh, uh, two, two blocks and censorships later, you know, th- we're still we're still on our way. Uh, I think what happened yesterday is going to be a major change in that. But people do. Women look upon guys. If they don't have a certain amount of money, they're not successful. They're unstable. So stable really means money. Well, I think I'm incredibly stable. I just don't have money. So the perception is very interesting. Right. Hmm. Yes, it is. So we're, we're going to get back to Paul being a terrorist. I'm sorry. Um I it's okay. Um, yeah. So his My entire show. purpose hey. for living and drawing breath at the time 
um, was to kill Christians um, and make examples out of them. And yet, and God looked down and said, okay, well, that boy's passionate (laughs) about me. He is just going in a seriously wrong direction. So I'm going to have to step in because I can use his skills. I can use his passion. I can use his knowledge um, and his commitment to me because he's doing all the wrong things out of the commitment to me. But he's doing um, very well he just at the wrong things. things, which is kind of interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes, he excelled at the wrong things. <laughs> so God said, okay, well, let me knock him off his ass. And so as he was riding his donkey, that's exactly what God did. So, um, you know, shown his, his, a bright, a, a light so bright that it literally blinded him. That's God's glory is like to the umpteenth power we can't even imagine. And so he knocks off his, his donkey and he is lying blind on the ground and has no idea what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and then the Lord audibly to where everybody hears <laughs> and said, Paul, well, actually, he was Saul at the time. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Yeah. And Paul, and, and, and Paul being Saul at the time, um, said, Lord. He actually said, Lord. He, his spirit knew who was talking to him. And the real he big said, <laughs> yeah. And they all was like, oh, crap. You know? <laughs> so exactly. Like, Lord. You know, um, speak to me. What 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 are you trying to say? And he's saying, Saul, why do you kick against the pricks? You know, um, and that those were uh, really long, long thorns, um, like they they made out of the the crown of thorns for Jesus, the, the oh, like okay. four and five inch long, you know, thorns, yeah. really wow. thick, hard, um, pierce you through. Well, mm-hmm. when you were training oxen train them how to plow in the field. Mm-hmm. You hook, hook right. them up to the yoke and you, you had a board and they, they had these uh, really long thorns called pricks. Um, uh, yeah, I was wondering where, you're, where you were going with that. But anyway, that's, that's another story. Yeah, yeah behind okay. them. And mm-hmm. so, um, and all, all the oxen would have to do is kick once and then, you know, impale their little hoofs <laughs> on, on one of those yeah. pricks. And they're like, okay, we don't do uh, that, again. that again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, you know, but what I find fascinating yeah. is that someone who was doing such evil, and you would think that you know normal human values would be because you're doing that much evil, you're an evil person. Therefore, we're going to condemn you and throw you away. And God takes the exact opposite approach. Says, "Well, you're really good at being evil, so maybe you're going to be really good at being good. If I can take you and turn you around, right. keep the same skills, but use them for the right reasons." That's fascinating. Right, and that's why He gives everyone so many chances to repent, so mm-hmm. many chances to turn around. Um, because what you're doing wrong, you can put that effort into doing right and um, and following God. But see, Paul, or Saul at the time, um, he had that's when he had his name changed was to Paul. Um, mm-hmm. He was saying, because it was symbolic of your life has turned around now. You weren't the person that you were. And so after three days, you know, God sent Ananias to to Paul. And when <laughs> it was a funny conversation, because when God was speaking to Ananias, said, Ananias, I need you to go to so-and-so's house because um, Paul is there. Um, Saul of Tarsus at the time is what he was known as. He says, I need you to go there and give him a message. He said, um, 
you know who he is, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know he's the guy who's been killing all of this, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you want me to go (laughs) and give him a message? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like like Bill Cosby doing Noah. Who wants an art? (laughs) What do you mean, Rain? That's funny. So, uh, so, and God said, I need you to go because he is now a brother. You need to go and give him this message. So <clears throat> Ananias obeyed uh-huh. uh, and Saul got back his sight. His name was changed to Paul. And, why did and this, then it why goes did on from there. Why, why are names changed? What? I, I think a lot well, of the like apostles, said, a lot of them it, had it, to it, change their names. Is it, it is, a, the apostles didn't have to change their names. Just Paul did. Um, but Abram got changed to Abraham, Sarai got changed to Sarah, um, Uh because when God spoke a prophecy over them, spoke a word over them that was going to require a miracle, they had to make a complete change. They had to change their entire way of thinking, their entire way of believing, um, let go of the law. And, and oh, yeah. So well, I think we've done that here. And, <laughs> you can only let go of it. We, yeah. we, we've completely, uh, you know, overshadowed and uh, changed it. So uh, uh, yeah. I'm thinking about just to bring back my own life without trying to sound arrogant again. You know, God has directed me in various interesting directions without my even knowing it. You know, I'll try something and, and God like, nope, not, not that. <laughs> I think I want to do something. Oh, try that for a while. Okay, that's done. That's served its purpose. Then another total different career. Okay, you've served, you've served your purpose there. And you don't realize, and I didn't realize until Action Radio, but all the, the, the things I thought I wanted to do that I didn't get and all the jobs that I had that were kind of stupid, uh, they've all led to here. So this was the plan all along. Yeah. I just didn't know it. <laughs> you know, so the plan was always for me. Yeah, it's, 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 called, it was, it's yeah. called oblivious training. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> you are oblivious that you're being trained. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and here I am. You know, so uh, obviously this and is the right place. <laughs> and this one's working. You know, of all the of all the things that didn't work, this one's working. So you know, yeah. But each yeah. one served a purpose and lasted a certain amount of time, just long yeah. enough. Uh, to to get what I was supposed to get, and um, here we are, independent and broadcasting worldwide. Yeah. Who would have thought? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This. So if if so if everybody out there listening, if you are on a road that you just feel absolutely clueless about, like you have no idea what you're really supposed to be doing, uh, you're not alone. You are not alone. Everybody is is searching for what their purpose is. Everybody is is searching for what they were put here on earth to do. Um, whether or not you're looking at it in a spiritual way or not, um, everybody wants to, to have a purpose. Well, our purpose is is all the same. We all have the same purpose, and that is to love God and to love people the way God loves. That's our purpose. That's everyone's purpose. But our assignments are different. That is what we we have to understand. That um, and each assignment will will change with season that we're in. I'm listening. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to you. No, it makes perfect um, sense. But, no, and yeah. I was just thinking we need to do a show. <laughs> we need to do a, a more exploration about the hearing underline life uh, before you uh, uh, take off here. But uh, we have to also announce our, our special show coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, but I think we need to talk about how people can find their assignment and know that it's their assignment. Uh, we should, we should discuss yeah. that and put that, uh, put that together. So another note, please. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> no, no, one thousand fifteen. Yes. And, and Further climbing. show. 
Well, let me put this way: you're not going to be out of a job anytime soon, so don't you know? I mean, you're going to be. Yeah, we've got what, about a good five years worth of shows already. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I think just so. in the, Yeah, we'll get there. Bonnie, good morning. How you doing? Do you want to, to add to our our, uh, our conversation here? Oh, I'm I'm doing well. Um, I have been listening since the very beginning, and I actually had so much that I was just like nodding in agreement with Wendy on in the beginning where she was basically talking about how setting our minds on the things that are good and not the laments of the world. I'm totally with her in that mentality and that mindset. I think that that's what today's whole problem with so much depression is. Um, Not to say that Christians don't have that same issue. There's many Christians that suffer with depression, but at the same time, God tells us to set our things, our mind on the things of above. And in that whole process, humor is so important. They always have the old adage of laughter is medicine for the soul. So, so true. Uh, it's one of the things that I actually love so much about my brother because he's taught me to rekindle that love for humor. And um, being able to laugh truly is medicine, especially if you laugh until you cry, which I do quite often. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy can attest to that. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Listen, Wendy's got the most infectious laugh in the world, so I just make her laugh on purpose. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Just, just to hear her do it. Well, it's, it's, go ahead, Wilma. It's Wilma Flintstone, go ahead. I just, I thought yeah. that my voice was echoing. There's some dude on the line here too. Dude, identify yourself. Speaking of Wendy's phone, or was that Wendy's phone? Who's that? No, that is Scott. That is Scott. That's me. Sorry, sorry. I thought. Shut up. No, you don't have to shut up. But just if you're like a voice out of nowhere, it kind of freaked me out for a minute. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> I, I thought it might have been, you know, like you know, because God calls the show here, so you never know. <laughs> Yes. Maybe, yes, maybe he's like right. bypassing right. the phone no. line. So, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, Scott well, joining us for the I, next I hour. I don't want to cut into Bonnie's time um, because okay, she's well, got some good stuff to say to you today. Um, okay. Well, so good. I will sign off. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, if anybody needs to get in touch with me or ask any questions or, or give some input, you can reach me on Facebook at Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. And y'all, y'all know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to sign off and say, "Bow now, avoid the rush." Absolutely. But what mm-hmm. what you, we're, we're sort of getting everybody to uh, do the the like a, like an official thing. You know, this is Wendy Arthur with the Megab Reporter Action Radio. That might come in handy someday. Okay. Let's give that, we can do that. Give well, that a shot. This is Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God Reporter on Action Radio. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I'll it. see you next week with another one. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. You take care now. Bye. All right, let's get uh, Bonnie's theme, which is still too long. I haven't edited it yet. I apologize. It's been busy around here. <laughs> well, I, it's, it's I understand. So busy. Oh my God, it's been it's been oh, crazy. Oh, trust me, they've been busy here too. Yeah. Well, let me. I'll tell you about it when we get back from our, our lengthy theme. So everybody, get a cup of coffee. We'll be right back. Oh, hang on. There it goes. There she sits behind the microphone. A mild-mannered radio talk show host, news and weather person. But that's only part of the story. She's really a secret agent. Meet Bonnie Nesbitt, or as we address her, Bond, Jane Bond. Jane Bond travels the world incognito, trying to ferret out the world's most interesting stories. And talking to the world's most dangerous people. So join us now as we go into the secret world of our secret agent, Bonnie Nesbitt, with her secret report 
available exclusively on Action Radio. And now... Oh, I should stop it right there. <laughs> well, I should have said, and now, Bonnie. Knows, uh, yeah. So I figured that was enough. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. I just kind of, well, I finally just repeated my... Well, I think I did it on a Sunday morning when I was self-indulgently uh, listening to my own voice, and I just kept talking. I thought, well, this sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta figure it. But we, we, we got the basics in there. But uh, how you been? Were you here last week or yeah. no? I was not. No, last week I did not have much of a voice. I came down with this That's cold right. from my kids, I think. And I had, I right. was so hoarse. I was like, I sound terrible. This week I sound a little nasally, so you have to bear with me. But I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> well, at least you don't sound like uh, Doctor Fascist there, because if you start talking about no. masks, you know, with the yeah, nasal I'm voice, feeling like, yeah. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci. Yeah, no. we don't, Dr. We don't Fauci, Fauci told me to wear the mask, and I didn't wear the mask. I, I didn't listen. So what is with this this psychopathic <laughs> idiot anyway? What's 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 going on? Bill was talking about that this as morning. As far as Dr. Fauci's, I, I don't know. I keep wondering when we're going to hear something like headlining, headlining breaking news about how he's going to be convicted and he's not. Like there's nothing hmm. uh, behind the scenes. I I feel like he's going to get away with things just like the Bidens do. I hate uh-huh. that idea, but uh-huh. you know I don't know I don't know where it's going to go from here and who's going to stand up strong enough against him. Well, it just depends if people How are do you feel about him for, for killing a million people. I mean, he, he basically killed a million yeah, exactly. people by, by pushing mm-hmm. a jab that was not needed. We had the cures for COVID. I broadcast the cures, you know, way back starting on March 2nd right. of 2020. You know, we talked about hydroxy, actually chloroquine to hydroxychloroquine to ivermectin. We had the uh, Dr. Zelenko Action Radio, you know, coronavirus clearinghouse, which Facebook immediately banned mm-hmm. um, and, uh, right. and uh, disabled because we we're telling people how to cure COVID, not how to die from it. And so right. the combined forces of Dr. Fascist, the, the health Nazis, you know, big tech and big pharma killed a million Americans. You know, we, we've lost. Right. I talked about this on the show. We've lost people. I lost my webmaster. He was killed on, by a hospital ventilator. Um, Dr. Peter Pry, our national security uh, reporter and, and just all around genius, was was killed by the covid shot. I'm convinced of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. and just, and you look at all the people, all the athletes who are dying all the time. So these people are dying, you know, thinking they're doing the right thing. And, uh, what, what's fascinating to me is who hasn't had a problem. No politician I know of has had a problem with the COVID shot because they weren't given it. Yeah. Okay? And nobody in the health department well, exactly. has had a problem, right? Dr. Fascist has taken every booster there is supposedly, but he hasn't, you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't had an issue and he, he stays over 80 years old. So he should have had some symptoms. Right. If he actually took a COVID booster, he should have had some symptom by now of something. Blood clots, who knows what. Stroke. I mean, I don't yes, wish evil upon something. him, even though he is evil. Right. But, uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, but, but not a single politician, not a single uh, government official, nobody has had any serious problems from the COVID shot. And yet a million people died and are still dying. Go right. figure. Yeah, right. That's how I feel about that. Well, and, and, the interesting thing, um, last week I was talking to my husband a little bit about that and in the gearing up for, you know, the, the supposed COVID 2.0. And uh-huh. I had mentioned to you two weeks ago that I had heard a YouTube video of someone who worked very closely in the pharmaceutical company and they were amping up production of tests. Along uh-huh. with that, they are actually amping up production of caskets for 200 pounds and under which tells me that there is a pre-thought-out plan for this is going to affect children, this whatever's coming down the pike, much more than whatever happened in the past, and hmm. much more targeted at putting fear into the average American at, you know, how dare they come after our children. But that's exactly what any fear-mongering government would do. Go mm-hmm. after the weakest link, go after the softest spot, and that's going to be directed at the heart 
of our country, which is our children, our future generations. Do you know who they're not going after to get the COVID shot? What, what, there's one group that's specifically absent. Whenever they talk about getting a COVID shot, there's one group that is not, not only not required, they're not even mentioned. They're not even talked about at yes. all. Yes, and that is, absolutely. Illegal aliens. Uh, yep. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah. I do. Remember, it's oh, not what's in the news that matters, it's what's not in the news. Yeah, so what's not in the news yeah. is yeah. that illegal aliens have no requirement. There's no public service announcement. Right. There's nothing. Right. Nothing. Yeah. No screening. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't even think a single COVID test was probably issued unless it was all for looks through the media. Like, oh, we're mm-hmm. going to go ahead and give a COVID test to this, you know, 30-year-old male who could potentially carry it and make it look good. But we're going to let 3 million other people come across the border and not really care, not demand that they be vaccinated. And they're coming from other countries. And, you know, the assumption is made, oh, well, if it's a COVID mandate, then every other country is going to put it into place. They'll take care of their own vaccine. No, they're not. No, they're I mean, not. that's, that's ac- absolute naive thinking to think that, yep. well, it's the responsibility of the country where they're coming from. It, it's absolutely unfathomable to me to assume that. I think it's very fathomable. Um, we used to have a, a public service announcement that I, I played, uh, and I have to do a disclaimer because uh, Dr. Judy Mikevitz, when she was on, said it's not quite accurate anymore. So this is probably about three years old now that uh, I said, you know, mm-hmm. don't get the COVID shot. Uh, and I said there's no cure for the COVID shot. Apparently there are. There's a lot of treatments that people can do mm-hmm. now. So this is not accurate, but it's still interesting in its historical perspective. So while everybody else was saying, you know, the vaccine is safe and effective, go out and get it, I was playing this. Mm-hmm. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. You've all heard those ads for people who have suffered medical or health tragedies, which say you may be entitled to compensation. But if you have suffered injuries or crippling diseases or medical procedures that went horribly wrong, it's not the compensation you need, it's the knowledge you should have had before the condition you suffer from now. So that you are never in that position in the future, I strongly recommend that you do not get any COVID vaccines. Get informed. Do your own research. For 99.97% of Americans, your natural immunity will give you, at worst, only moderate symptoms of COVID. If you've already had COVID, it's virtually impossible to get it again. There are effective cures for COVID, which will get you completely over the virus. There is no cure for the COVID-19 vaccines. Once you start down the road of DNA modification, there is no going back. So that put the fear of God in you. <laughs> Sorry, Wendy. <laughs> well, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But that was just such a contrast to what anybody else was doing. You know, so if anybody yeah. wonders, you know, where we, we where we stood, that's where I stood. Now, as far as I knew, at the time, right. there was no cure. There was no treatment for the, the COVID jab. Um, but we have since learned differently because mm-hmm. people actually worked on it. You know, we've got Cardio Miracle. We've got uh, things to do blood clots. And we've got other stuff. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was just talking about a new treatment. Right. So, uh, so it's interesting. Now, why would you have to have treatment for uh, – for a COVID jab that's safe and effective. I mean, the fact that there are products exactly. out there for vaccine recovery proves that it's not safe and effective. It's actually deadly right. and crippling. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. And we see that time and time again with cardioarrhythmia and neuropathy that's happening and blood clots and all kinds of other side effects. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Something happened yesterday that was pretty incredible. So I have some news for you, then we can uh, we we got an hour. This is great. All of my other reports are, and we, Wendy and Bill have half an hour, so we kind of like jam stuff in. But uh, we had uh, Jason yeah. Shepard on yesterday. Are you familiar with Jason Shepard? Do you know who he is? Because I didn't. I'm not. I am not familiar with him. No. Well, he, I think we're all going to get very familiar with him because he's going to help us out a whole bunch. Um, he's a social media guy. He's conservative, and he created something called mm-hmm. Winkin. 
which was demonized. Uh, that uh, back in, I think it was 2021, that said he was trying to start a civil war. He was uh, one of those January 6th types, although I don't think he was there. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm, I wasn't there because I don't like protests. I, I, you know, just because stuff happens, it's bad. There's no control in the protest. Anyway, um, so he got uh, banned and taken off and uh, all these nasty things were said about him. But he was this really cool dude. And so he's, he loves our legislation, apparently. He's heard about us and I hadn't heard about him, which is a switch. It's usually the other way around. And uh, so we talked about mm-hmm. uh, big tech censorship and some of the other bills that we have, but uh, we're getting a nice big fat mm-hmm. profile on Winkin. And so I think we're, we're kind of, you know, we're on our way. Uh, if that happens and a lot more people notice us, then success breeds success. So other platforms might pick us up and, uh, you know, all of a sudden shows and different people and I start getting interviews and then I get on Tucker Carlson and write a bill on the air and everything changes. Uh, so that's where we're headed. Yes. But uh, in a world of bad news, I had some really good news yesterday I and mean, something incredible happened. You know, whole new contact, things like that. So this is going to be, uh, uh, Bonnie, right place, right time. Stick around. <laughs> it's going to get interesting around here. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's Absolutely. I'm here for the ride. Yeah. 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 Good. Well, um, um, I don't. Go ahead. I, I had several different stories come my way that I was looking at. Um, mm-hmm. I did read your proposed new legislation bill on basically funding the defense fund. And as I, as I tried to poke holes in different areas of it and try and see how airtight it was, the only thing that um, I could even come up with would be how on the defense side of things, how you would, um, I'm trying to come up with the right terminology, how you would sway from them intentionally dragging out the trial so that they end up making more money. You see what I'm saying? Like if you're backing yeah, no, the defense no, you, fund, they have no yeah. incentive to a speedy trial. Right. Uh, are you talking about the government or, or the defendants? The defendants. Because you're yeah, setting so up a defense fund for them. You're saying that the government's going against them with limitless resources. And uh-huh. essentially, if that's the case, then the defense would have no incentive to make it be over and done with quickly. They, they could drag the case out because it adds to the litigation cost and they will be compensated. And so, you know, for no, them, it's almost no, like no, an incentive they, uh, to just. Not really, because there's no extra you money. You know what In I'm fact, saying? Uh, they, well, they get the money that was spent by the government to investigate them. Okay, and that's incentive for the government to to be really serious about their investigations. Uh, oh, where'd you go, <laughs> Bonnie? Call back. <laughs> Bonnie just drops. We got we got to get her back on on the show. So I might have to uh, uh, save my comments. So let me do that. So it's a great question. Let me just play something real quickly here while we're waiting, and then uh, when she comes back, uh, that's gonna be a bit long. I'll play this, and then hopefully she'll be back real soon. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. 
So you don't have to ask a tough question and then run away. It's okay. I mean, even if I, you know, have I an answer. I am so sorry. No, my earbud <laughs> got hit and it ended the call immediately. I am so sorry. <laughs> don't be sorry. That was funny. Uh, but uh, just to, you also want to you also want to listen for the the mute unmute. So I uh, I tend to unmute a few seconds before uh, um, before the thing gets live too. So people should always be ready for that. Yes. All right. So you asked a really good question, and I thought about that too. I didn't put it in the bill because I don't have to. And, and that is where we have judges. So if somebody brings a frivolous lawsuit or if they're trying to extend, mm-hmm. you know, expenses or they're trying to do any of those things, that's what the judge is for. The judge is going to come down on him. Okay. The prosecutor is going to object to that immediately. The judge is going to come down on them. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a given. So that's, that's how that's going to be handled. So I don't have to make it easier for the government. You know, when I'm creating this legislation, what I'm trying to do is create a situation. Is basically, it's defense equality or equity. I like that term. This is defense equity. I might even call it right. the defense equity bill. I like so that. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's well and, and it's the it's the hot term of the day. Everything is equity, everything is equitable, everything is equality. So you might as well put it in the name of the bill. <laughs> oh yeah, but there's huge well, I think I might call them defense equity payments. But there's a huge difference between equality and equity. But we can talk about that uh, next yeah. time. So what the bill does, for those that missed the last couple of days, which shame on you, um, the, I wrote this bill over Labor Day weekend. So that was that was my labor. Was to, was to create this thing. Mm-hmm. And it has two main components. The idea of this is that the government right now can use unlimited taxpayer resources, unlimited lawyers, unlimited uh, uh, everything, uh, guns included, tanks, you name it, to go after right. people. And right. just the investigation itself can destroy lives, cause suicides, you know, lost businesses, lost property, lost customers, lost anything. Absolutely. Without ev- exactly. Without any um, final conviction. These people are innocent until proven guilty. Well, the investigation basically says you're guilty until proven innocent. And so because exactly. of that, and they don't care, and they know they can do this. So what this does, there's two components. One is that if the government spends $100 million you know, investigating Trump, Trump gets $100 million from the government mm-hmm. in defense. That's a defense equity payment. And I'll put that in the bill in a bit. The second is compliance costs. So if the government orders you to produce you know, 10 million sheets of paper, then they're going to pay for it. You build them monthly. You know, or however much the legal costs are. So attorney's fees, uh, paperwork, research, extra employees you have to hire, contractors, anything you have to do uh, to comply with mm-hmm. the government's investigation, they're going to pay for. Now, if you're judged right. guilty, they can, of course, go after that. They can recoup the cost. They can do whatever they want. I don't care. That's not the point. But the point is to get you to the point of final conviction. And just before final conviction, you're still innocent. And so all the way through the trial, all the way through everything. Uh, and uh, believe me, the government will object if they have, uh, of course, we, we might have to have a provision that the government, you know, can't deny expenses as part of uh, their crime. So I might put a, uh, some kind of penalty for that in. Well, we'll see. Anyway, that might be something they can sue for or, or, or the, the lawyers and the, the folks who work out. But that's the basic idea. So you get, right. uh, you get your defense equity payment up front, however much they paid to investigate you, you get in order to defend yourself, and that they can spend as they want. Now, uh, if the government doesn't want to do that, then maybe they should think more about their investigations. Because right now, these are purely political. Let's go over it real quick. Let's um, pick a couple sections. Okay. And, uh, uh, so the first is the introduction. I'm not going to read that. But uh, the, the, the purpose of this, and I've already stated that, implementation at the very first contact with the subject of an investigation by electronic, phone, mail, or other method before any federal personnel make any personal contact with any person, da 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 a direct deposit shall be made in the main account of the subject of an investigation equal to the total amount spent on that investigation from all sources. So that's implementation. Compliance, right. we already talked about that. Any entity subject to a federal investigation, in addition to be paid the equal amount spent by the federal government, which I'll call the defense equity payment, uh, they shall build investigating agencies or other federal government entities for any individual or ongoing compliance costs during the entire ongoing investigation. 
so in other words, maybe I shouldn't put a time on it like monthly. Just let them bill them as the expenses come in. Then I got one for recouping lost yes. revenue. Okay, so re, uh, do you have a comment on that? Because I'm kind of going over this quickly. Maybe I should. Slow I do. I do. Okay, I, I think that that's actually a, a very wise provision because no one can anticipate, first of all, how long it will last. And secondly, no one can anticipate how much the cost will be truly in the end. So if you were to put a monthly stipend, if you will, on that and say that all expenses are reimbursed on that basis, I think that makes it a lot easier to say, okay, well then, you know, obviously, well, I mean, still there's going to be incentive. If somebody really wanted to be dark, they could extend it as long as they want. But like you said, the judges are in place to put the kibosh on that. Um, mm-hmm. But doing it on a monthly basis helps the, helps the expenditures be kept in check. I, as you know, a person who works in the financial world, I have mm-hmm. seen too many people take receipts, box them up in a shoebox, and stuff them in a closet all year, and then they go to their accountant at the end of the year to do their taxes, and they dump it out on the desk, and they're like, here you go, figure out my taxes. <laughs> if you were to keep it in order, you're not going to yeah. have that issue. I mean, I, I kid you not. I have gotten to the point where I've had people give me things written on the back of Kleenex boxes. I have had people lay out bank statements and their cats use them as cat litter. Like, it's terrible. When you have to put together past years of stuff or months and months and months all at once, you run into the risk of, first of all, massive disorganization. And so you're having to then put the work on someone else to even get it in order by a timeline. And then secondly, you run into the risk of things being lost. You can't remember what you had for lunch two weeks ago, let alone what you did three or four months ago with $5 that you had. So oh, yeah. no, keeping I agree. expenditures in check on a monthly basis is very prudent and it's very wise. Um, then I might put that in there, or I, I was thinking of just leaving it alone, because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like sculpture. You've got to know when to stop chiseling, because <laughs> it can take too much off Exactly. It. Um, so I'm just going to leave it as is. People can bill for compliance costs, and we'll let Congress figure out the details, and the regulatory agencies can figure out the regulations, and the inspector generals can go from there. Um, but uh, they've got a basis mm-hmm. here that compliance costs will be recouped, and they will be billed. And so uh, that'll be interesting to see how that works out. The other one is recouping lost revenue, because uh, like the, the model for this is the gun store in Wyoming where the ATF was walking around with huge ATF letters on their back so that everybody knew the ATF mm-hmm. was all over this gun store. And who wants to buy a gun with the ATF right there? You know, so I put uh, the previous right. 12 months of operation of any person or entity subject to a federal investigation. So I use this as a benchmark to measure against the revenue acquired during the entire course of any investigation. Should any drop in revenue, mm-hmm. customer base, or market share result directly or, or, or indirectly from any federal investigation, the difference in revenue from previous month shall be reimbursed on a monthly basis to any person. So this I did have monthly on. Uh, yes. To any person and entity yes. involved in any ongoing investigation. So uh, if you made you know, $50,000 in, in gross revenue you know, uh, last December, then you should probably make either close to that or more given economic conditions this year. And if all of a sudden you make 25000 because of an investigation, then they owe you 25000 <laughs> That's basically how that works. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, continuity. Regardless of the length of time of any investigation, the number of investigations, the number of personnel involved in the investigation, of course, we know for Trump, this is huge, right? This is like, this would be a goldmine for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as it's ready, I'm going to be sending it to the campaign. It says, the number of departments, agencies, or other government entities involved in any investigation, all compliance payments equal to the total cost from government sources, da da da. I'm have to reword that. Plus the costs incurred by the subject or subjects, shall be made all the way through arrests, trial, final verdict, and conviction. Compliance and other cost payments stop only at this point. So, yeah. So this is all about investigations. And what this really is about is investigations where the goal is not, you know, the prosecution of a law. Uh, where the, right. it's, it's for made-up laws. It's for made-up causes. It's for uh, things where the investigation itself is the punishment. 
And so that's how that works. Yeah. And the next section is a, is a totally different one. This is on personal liability. This is where the government gets held personally liable for doing this. So anyone or any entity subject to a federal investigation may bring a lawsuit to any government person, department, agency, or any other division of government if it appears that the purpose of the investigation is not to prosecute, convict, bring about fines and incarceration, but for some other objective. This would include to punish the subject of the investigation by draining their funds, destroying their business, driving away the customers, or by threatening excessive penalties for minor infractions of law or paperwork violations. Right, right. How does that square with your, your financial yeah. wisdom? So they're liable. No, and no. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got so political investigation. Political investigations would be Trump. Political incarceration would be January 6th. Uh, withholding of exculpatory evidence, that would be almost everybody. Um, coercion, which right. is on, on uh, you know, coercing people to uh, plead to a misdemeanor they didn't do, so they avoid charges of a felony they didn't do. And we're not talking, we're not talking about legitimate charges here and legitimate investigations. So I've stayed completely away from yeah. that because those obviously have to be done. Then I've got a thing here for media. If media is cooperating with yes. government and acting on behalf of government, yes. they're just as guilty. Now, if they're acting as free pass press and they're, they're doing journalism and investigative yes. reporting, this bill does not apply because that's First Amendment. Right. However, if right. CNN is right there for Roger Stone's arrest because they've been told to be there, that's a whole mm-hmm. different story. They're just as liable as the government. And then I have the conspiracy. Well, and just right. like we were reading about – uh-huh. Just like we were reading about in the syllabus of Columbia University when it came to their journalism degrees, if they mm. are there to twist it intentionally in any way, shape, or form to make themselves, like just for the sake of themselves, to have fame and, glam- fame, fame and glamour in the future for their own career. It's a selfish uh-huh. ambition that they will go for their own gain, and then secondly, to twist it around knowing that the public eye is seeing what they are doing. It's dirty. It's unethical. And every journalist should be required to take some somewhat of a Hippocratic oath of journalism to always state an unbiased truth. And that is very hard to do because if you're in an editorial position, you're told to give your opinion. But if you're just stating facts and sticking to it, there's no problem. Why don't you write one? Yeah. A jur- no, serious. Yeah, you. Write a journalism equivalent of the Hippocratic oath. I could do that. First, do, do no inaccuracy. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, just look at the Hippocratic Oath and model it for journalism. Let's get it out there. Let's make it an action radio thing. It won't be a bill, but it's certainly something we should post and, and get around to all the, the real journalists out there. Make a note. Oh, wait. I, I will make a note. Uh, yep. And <laughs> no, I, I've, got a, I've got a mental check note. And I, do you want me to read it on air once I have it? Because I know oftentimes of when I read things, you say, it's, okay, well, just, it won't be rehearsed. It'll just be raw. <laughs> Well, I mean, everything we do here is, is raw. No, nothing here is rehearsed. Yeah, Wait, you think, exactly. You think, I script out, you think I script out my shows? No, no. No, no, <laughs> no. no. I'm, just, I'm just saying in the past when I've written things, I, it's been very um, – it's been received as rehearsed, but this is different. This is not a skit. This is an actual legislative, real. Hippocratic yeah, style. No. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, look and see if there is one. Somebody might have actually written one before. Okay. So we always want to check and make sure, sure that the wheel, we're not reinventing the wheel. Now you might write a better one. Like mm-hmm. I wrote a, I wrote a better poem for the Statue of Liberty, um, which is, which is kind of yes, cool. Yes, I know. I saw that. Yeah. What do you mm-hmm. think? Compared to give us, I you're like tired, it. you're hungry, you're wretched, you're illegal aliens yearning for benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not quite, that's not exactly what it says, but you know what I mean. Right. Right. No, I know you're paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm making it up actually. Yeah. Um, but I just discovered some things in reading this today. I was like, well, I'm going to go back and fix that. So reading out loud uh, is the best mm-hmm. way, uh, especially on a podcast, because you can listen to yourself and go, oh, gee, I 
missed that part. Yeah. Because yeah, when you read it, you don't see things. Your mind kind of substitutes and, and puts things the way you think they should be. Uh, so your mind self-corrects. But when you read it, yeah. then it's like, oh, that's what's actually there. Huh. I got to fix that. So I have to make a clear distinction between the defense equity payment, which is the amount the government has spent, and the um, mm-hmm. the, the the compliance payments. So by making that's going to make the bill better. Right. As soon as this bill is in good shape, it's going right to uh, my friend of the Trump campaign, Christina Bob, who's been on the show twice. And yep. so hopefully she'll yep. take it to uh, Donald Trump, and then we'll all go to meet in Mar-a-Lago sometime where we can talk about our stuff. That's yeah. my goal. Perfect. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Well, meantime, I'll get that journalistic Hippocratic oath written up, and um, I would love to have it implemented in some way. But <laughs> well, no, what you do? <laughs> what we do is we then send it to Newsmax and One American News and see if they'll take the oath first of all. And then yeah. what they do is yeah. that they, you know, TCN and News uh, and MSNBC and or MSPMS, whatever they're called. Um, I forgot who said mm-hmm. that. Um, actually, Josie had the best one. She talked about uh, LGBTQ PMS, which I thought was hysterical. Um, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, and, and feel free to use anything that we have on this show on your show because that's kind of the fun of it. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, but they can use that. The conservative journalists can use it against the liberal propagandists. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And of course, it's going to say Action Radio, Citizen Legislature, you know, by, you know, Action Radio reporter Bonnie Nesbitt, <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah. Okay. So what else you got? And now, um, page two. Well, oh, Harvey. Yeah, what now, I want to talk about actually comments. last last. Uh, you, mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Okay. No, I can't. I okay. was just talking so over you like week... I usually do. Don't don't mind me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Last week, what I really wanted to talk about when I did not have a voice was um, the GOP debate had happened, and I really, really, really liked a lot of the points that Swami had to make on stage, and I was curious as to what your thoughts were as to where he stands, you know, in Trump's views versus his, because one of the things he really got to the crux of was saying that America needs to get to America's spirit again, very much in line with what Trump says of make America great again but going one step further and, and kind of cutting to the heart of it and saying we need to get this. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that comment and how it differentiates from Trump. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing just because I've done a couple of shows. Um, I'll give you the first clue. I call him Vivek Obama Swampy. So that should tell you where oh, I stand Obama on him. Swampy? Obama Swampy. That, <laughs> okay. man, that man is a fraud. That man is a deep state man. He is a Marxist, communist, World Economic Forum, world government, deep state plant. His job is to do exactly what Mike Pence's job was, which is to totally sabotage the next Trump administration, which is what Kevin McCarthy's job is in Congress, as Paul Ryan's job before him, and as presidential candidates, uh, John McCain and Mitt Romney's job was to lose the election and hand it to the Democrat, in that case, uh, Barack Obama. He is an absolute, total fraud. Um, Chris uh, Plant had some stuff on him. No, it was Chris. Who's the guy that does the Reawaken America tour? He was on uh, Emerald Robinson a little bit ago talking about stuff that I talked about two months ago. So he's a little bit behind the times, but, you know, Vivek Osami, let me ask you some questions about him. The man has $630 million. How did he get it? How did he get it? I honestly don't know because I have not dug into his history, and I know that he claims his parents were immigrants. And he's, you know, generational born into this country. Okay. Yeah. So tell I have, me, I can, Greg, enlighten well, me. 
Well, so the problem is I can't find out how he did it. I did a little patent and trademark search. He has no trademarks. Uh-huh. He has no patents. Okay, he's never patented anything. He has no inventions. He has no creations. He has no products. He's never done anything. His company. Okay, what if he has a team of people behind him that have done it any like looking for his name per se? What if he's got um, uh-huh. uh, but, random company but, names that you're not familiar that he's associated with? But if with? you run the company or own the company, then the, the, the scientists work for you. You're still going to make a ton. Of, I guess you can make a ton of money off that. But wouldn't you want some kind of control mm-hmm. over it? I don't know. I mean, that, that could be, this could be possible. All these people yeah. are working for him, except that his health company, you know, Rosen, whatever it is, Rosencrantz, you know, has lost money millions of dollars ever since it was created. It's always lost money with him in charge. Mm-hmm. So how did he make $630 million? He I don't know. started, he went to college for biology. Uh, his only connection to a patent on, on Justia, uh, I looked it up for a traffic GPS visualization system where he's the number four person and it's only an application. It was never approved. So the man's never done anything. He has nothing in his name. Okay. He went to Yale for three years while he was a successful financial person. Why would you go to Yale for three years to get a law degree and then never use that law degree? Okay. This strikes me as, as Obama went to Columbia for his Marxist training. I think he went to Yale for his Marxist training. That's where he got it. Okay. The World Economic Forum, he says, okay. well, I, I, I disavowed. I made them take my name off. I, uh, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff. Well, how did they find him in the first place? There's a lot of successful 30-year-olds out there. How did they pick him and put him on, on the, the, young, uh, the Young Leaders Program, which I call Communist Boot Camp? I mean, there's so many yeah. inconsistencies with this guy. Okay. He's an absolute total fraud. Everything he says is what Trump said three years ago. There's nothing right. new. Right. I did notice it, a lot of similarities. Is, yes. It's all cliche. It's all tested lines. He doesn't have an original thought. He doesn't have an original idea. He's never created a product. He's never come up with anything new. He's never done anything. He's just like Obama. So I think he's a total fraud. Wow. Yeah. Go back to our uh, special investigations page. Uh, there's something okay. on, on his drugs, too, don't work. <laughs> you know, there's something, the drugs they invented don't work either. Uh, but uh, special investigations, and are you, we have a private group, there, our vaccine project. Uh, which is the very hard to get project, into. Yes, because... I'm a member of that group. Okay, so take a look there. For the... All right, so if not, I'll make you one because you're in, you're a reporter. You know, you get to, you can join any group as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we've got like over 20 of them right now. We're kind of busy, uh, especially the comedy group. But this is the hottest one right now. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, go back to the through special investigations and through the vaccine project, and you will find numerous okay. articles on Mr. Obama Swampy. That's what I think. But you weren't mm-hmm. expecting that. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Because, again, okay. I did not take the time to truly dig in. It was so much of listening mm-hmm. to what he had to say, and I was just impressed with his viewpoints. And I was like, man, he really sounds a lot like a more young, ambitious Trump with that heart of America spirit behind him. But mm-hmm. if you're saying that he's basically, um, I mean, essentially with his medical side of things, he's another Fauci. That's what I'm hearing mm. based on what you have found. Essentially in that whole mindset of, well, yeah, that's immediately what I thought of because of the yeah. things that Fauci has backed that have been miserable failures, including AIDS, mm-hmm. trying to find the cure for AIDS, and, and the millions and millions of dollars that was granted to, to Dr. Fauci's and fascist, and Dr. Um, fascist. nothing that's, to come of it. I said, that's going to catch on. Nothing to come I said, of when it. That, when that catches mm-hmm. on nationwide, people start calling him Dr. Fascist, it's going to be hysterical because uh, mm-hmm. we all know where it came from. Oh, of course it came it from is. us. Um, yes. but, uh, but think it, but he also, he, he used to recommend masks and the COVID jab. Okay. Yeah. He's got a long history of, of saying swampy you better did. take your, your jab. You know, Swampy does. You bet. 
Oh, okay. yeah. He's right in there. So when you talk about him being like a doctor fascist, yeah. I think he's – I don't know if he's a sociopath or a psychopath yet. I haven't determined that. I know fascist is definitely a psychopath. That man has no conscience. He mm-hmm. killed a million people and he sleeps well at night. How do you do that? Right. You know, how yeah, do you deny – he knows hydroxychloroquine cures coronavirus because he said so in 2005. He knew yes. when he said a week before Trump was inaugurated in 2017 that Trump's going to have to have to deal with a, uh, a pandemic during his administration. Well, he could only know yes. that if he was part of it. Why? Because he didn't done the gain of function. He did the gain of function work here. And then when that didn't work here, Obama actually did a good thing and said, you can't do that anymore. <clears throat> so he, t- he takes it right. to China with uh, Barrick and the other, you know, North Carolina and the DARPA folks. So we all know what this the whole history, but you know, do you know who discovered yes. that uh, that Doctor Fascist was uh, was a real criminal? Was uh, Judy Mikovits, and she got arrested for it. Right. You know, AZT. Yeah. Yeah. We did a show on how Doctor Fascist killed Eddie Mercury of Queen with AZT. Oh, mm-hmm. there's a thought. Oh, okay. Another one we did that you yeah. might find interesting. We did a show, and you can find all our shows by simply going to the the search window, which is on any broadcast page. And you'll see at the top, it'll say search, and you put Action Radio, comma, whatever it is you want to look up. Look up Action Radio, comma, Brian Sicknick, and you'll see our show and where we think he was the first public victim of the COVID shot. Mm. Oh, remember him from the, the, he was the Capitol Hill police officer? They said was killed with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Then it turns out he had a couple yeah. of strokes, and then people stopped investigating theirs. So, wait a minute. How does a healthy 40-year-old man have a couple of strokes? Right. Well, right. from the COVID shot. COVID shot gives you strokes. When did the Capitol Hill police get the COVID shot? Mid-December, because Nancy Pelosi made sure that everybody on Capitol Hill got their COVID shots before anybody else. So as soon as it was available, yeah. mid-December, all right, and January 6th is three weeks later. That's enough time. Of course oh. it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Okay. Now I got you thinking. Well, I, I, I <laughs> also want to bring up something that I saw, oh, gosh, probably almost a year ago now, and that was an mm-hmm. interesting interview with Bill Gates. And I honestly, I don't remember if the source was something as simplified as David Letterman or if it was a more in-depth interview, but he and his wife at the time were being interviewed. And one of the interesting things that I found is in front of the camera, both he and, and Melissa were kind of snickering and laughing at the fact that this whole COVID pandemic that we had was really just a test. I mean, he literally used the words, well, next time people won't laugh. And, and it was chilling. It was absolutely chilling. And we know that Bill Gates has so much money and has been buying up farmland and obviously implementing plant-based meat substitutes that are pumped full of who knows what, trying mm-hmm. to get the, the, the masses to eat the bugs and everything else. Mm-hmm. And just to see the expression on his face when he said, well, the next one, <laughs> the next one you'll take seriously. It's like, you've been planning this for how long? I literally mm. wanted the interviewer to just say, oh, how long have you known there'd be a second one coming? Because it, it is written all over his face. Mm-hmm. And everybody that, that is in cahoots from the first one, yeah, can you post I that? will have to dig it out. Yes, I will absolutely yeah. find it. My, my, okay. um, my best friend sent that to me at the time, and I watched it, and, or it was vice versa. Maybe I sent it to her. But, yeah, I will dig up that interview, and I will post it. Okay. Now, I'm not big on, on – in fact, people send me interviews and, and videos all the time, and I apologize. A, I don't have time to watch them because I've got my own show to do. And B, most of the information is mm-hmm. old. And one of the things that bothers me yeah. is that we have an entire – and I posted this on Facebook this morning. We have an entire conservative you know, news bureaucracy that is dedicated to accurately reporting our decline. But they're not willing to do anything about it. 
Right. You've got writers, you've got right. conservative advocates, you've got all these folks that are that are carefully watching, you know, and documenting and trying to outdo each other with who's yes. more accurate and how we're losing our country. And yet they won't yes. lift a finger to to talk about our legislation. They won't think about the future. They won't think about a, a future time of prosperity and freedom. They won't do anything like that. And uh, yes. every, these whole folks have to change from from journalists to uh, basically conservative news advocates or patriot news right. advocates. Right. Pick one. You can be the well, first. And, and I, you know, I mean, uh, no, I we've got to merge journalism <laughs> and advocacy or we're not going to get anywhere. Go ahead. Yes. No, I know that. I know that. And the more money that's backed behind something, the more you can see the viewpoint. And on this spoke, it's not Melissa, it's Melinda, obviously. But um, they also have the COVID-19 the Foundation that they started. Can Melinda you get her Gates? on the show? Yeah. Oh, how? I can I, I, mean, I can. I can try. Make a note. I can yeah, certainly try it, and put feelers get out. Get some contact information. I want to get Melinda Gates on the show. I want to ask her about her dear hubby. You know, divorced yeah, right? women. Her divorced he, women he, he, are, are your best <laughs> interviews because she's not gonna she's not gonna be restrained, right? She's she's gonna tell us the whole story. So I want to talk course. to I don't want to talk to Bill Gates. I know I know what Bill Gates is gonna say. I want to talk to Melinda. Oh, of Gates. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Okay. And they were they were going all over the world with their COVID nineteen foundation trying to vaccinate yeah, not Africa in all of these other countries. Yeah, no, but she's not anymore. Isn't that no, interesting? Isn't that that's what I want to know. What happened? Again, what's not in the news, in fact, I'd love to have a whole section. You can, in fact, you can do a section on what's not in the news. You can add that to your report. You know, just to okay. do. And what's here's what's not, not in the news. news. Yeah. I'll give you two things, what's yes. not in the news, what should be. Uh, the death of Craig Robertson, who the FBI assassinated to make Joe Biden look tough. They killed a 75-year-old man, handicapped man in a wheelchair because he made some nasty comments on uh, social media. Now, granted, yes. that was pretty stupid. Yeah. But they still killed. You, don't, you, you shouldn't be assassinated for that. You want to talk about no due process. And the second person is Obama's right. chef, who we think was uh, yes. uh, bopping uh, Michelle Obama. Yeah. So that's just speculation on well, our Well, yeah, that, that was speculation that I think Pianchi made or someone else at the time. But, yes, I do remember yeah, he that. He suggested it, and I ran with it because I thought it was funny as hell that, uh, yeah. that Michelle's yeah. bop, bopping the chef. <laughs> you know, I think, so yeah. what about the pool boy? <laughs> you know, and we figured that everybody on the Obama right. plantation is black. Uh, and the, 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 the only black people on Martha's Vineyard are the, one, are the Obamas and the ones that work for them. Yes, yes. Do you remember what we remember what we call Martha's Vineyard? Um, oh gosh, you've asked me this multiple times, and it's brilliant <laughs> every time I laugh at it. Go Mighty ahead, Whitey Island. Mighty Whitey Island. Mighty Whitey Island. Yes, yes, In other yes. Words, where everybody says that's that Mighty White of you. Yeah, so it's Mighty Whitey Island. Yes, yeah. that's my favorite. Yes, where the immigrants <laughs> or the aliens, the illegal aliens, rather, lasted a, uh-huh. a grand total of less than seventy-two hours. <laughs> yeah, of course, because this is Mighty Whitey Island. Yes. Except for the Obamas. Yes. Right. Except for the Obamas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Barack, you know, and I would really... Michelle, Michelle's very black yes. in, in attitude and uh, arrogance yes. and uh, supremacy and everything else. You know? Anyway. And I would love to see what would happen if one of their daughters happened to marry a white guy. <laughs> I would just love to see the turmoil that would happen in that family and what, I mean, that gives a whole new meaning of look who's coming to dinner, right? Like we get the synopsis of the white family and someone who's black comes to dinner. I want to see the flip. I want to see the black family where a white guy comes to dinner and they're just like smacking him up and saying, boy, <laughs> everything well, you that you want to say. Or, you may not have seen this. We, we need to tell a little story for a couple minutes. So the first guest who's oh, coming okay. to dinner with one of my favorite directors, Stanley Kramer, who did his Mad Mad World, uh-huh. although I said mad like six more times. Uh, Spencer yes, Tracy, Catherine yes. Hepburn. It was the last film Spencer Tracy died shortly after making this film. Uh, the black guy was Sidney Poitier, 
and uh, I've forgotten who the, 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 the daughter was, um, but she was gorgeous. But Catherine Hepburn and, and uh, Spencer Tracy, who had a longstanding romance affair, we're not sure quite what, but he was Catholic and he was married and he stuck by his vows, you know, which he shouldn't have. <laughs> quite honestly, he should have married Catherine Hepburn, idiot. Um, but uh, but that's but they they had a, an amazing relationship over decades. You go back to the old films, Adam's Rib, uh, some of the other films that they did together. Spencer Tracy films were are classics. Right. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. the the Adam's Rib is where they're both divorced lawyers, but they live together. <laughs> it's kind of, they have the same case. It's funny. Yeah. It's really funny. Anyway, so uh, so that was the first guest who's coming to dinner. And of course, this was made in the '60s and it was made in San Francisco. And so the the white daughter brings home a black guy who's a little bit older and this professor and uh, very talented and all kinds of stuff. Sidney Poitier, great actor. Well, there was another one. There was the white version. <laughs> there was the black version, or however you want to call it. There was the opposite version with Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher, or Kutcher and somebody else. And I've forgotten. Kutcher. The guy that plays uh, the, the black father um, is, he was like a sitcom actor or a comedian. He's really funny. Anyway, there is another one. There's another one where the okay. white guy goes to the black family. This being the politically correct. Is that the Bernie the Sanders? Not Bernie Sanders. Bernie. There's a Bernie. Bernie Mac? Yeah, is it Bernie Mac? That's his name? Yeah. I think it's Bernie somebody. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. So, so let's, if you want to have some fun, that'd be a great study to report on the two different films uh, and the political correctness of the white guy going to the black family because they're both hysterical. Yeah. And yeah, both fathers yeah, are absolutely. just as prejudiced. But that's interesting that the black family is, I don't you know, I want the white guy in the family. And, uh, you know, Spencer Tracy, yeah. I don't know if this is going to work out. You know, you sure you don't, you know what you're doing? It was really right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they had to do that being politically correct or incorrect as the case may be. But it's a fascinating thing. Right. So, so, so now here's the next question is where are, the, where are Obama's daughters? Aren't they, they're pretty much adults now, I aren't don't they? know. And well, let's I find mean, out. I, the last I knew, they, they were in college. So, I mean, I guess... Mm-hmm. It, is it just a matter of a Google search at this point? I do believe they keep whatever they're doing well hidden. Well, why? Why is it well hidden? Out of public eye, probably, because of well, Wait a minute. Uh, fear, Jenna, uh, Jenna Bush, every time Jenna Bush got drunk in college, we all knew about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, so I forgot the other the one, but the wild thing... child. Yeah. Uh-huh. Malia yeah. and Sasha, I believe was her name. They moved out, and like in 2022, I think they did a people interview or something like that, and they were both living in L.A. So they left D.C., and they moved to pursue whatever life they wanted in California at this point. So they went to where you left. <laughs> Doesn't that tell you everything? <laughs> you know, I, I left the yes. communist California, and, and they went to it. That's fascinating. Yes. No, if you could make another note, please. Uh, let's let's yes. find out where are Obama's daughters today, because now I'm curious, because this would so determine I'm, I, I'm you know, the parentage. Right I'm looking right okay. now. Oh, yeah, and, and I yeah. see that Malia Obama apparently is pursuing a profession as a screenwriter and relocated to Los Angeles after receiving her degree from Harvard, landed a job with Donald Glover, and apparently is pursuing that. So when it comes Donald to Danny. Sasha. Is it Donald uh, Glover or Danny Glover? Donald. Donald so, Glover. So it's not Danny the actor; it's Donald. And what does Donald Glover do? He's it's, a screenwriting. Okay, so so Donald Glover, uh, Danny's son, was actually on that show, The Community. If you remember, he played Troy. No, I, don't. I believe was his character's name. No. You, I don't oh, you never that. watched Community with so Joel Don- McHale? Oh my gosh. Sorry. That's a great Give show. Give me a list of things to watch. No, it's I'll a great show. Up. 
Okay, I believe you. You definitely need to watch Community. It's it's a hysterical okay. show. I don't often promote shows very often, but that's one my husband and I both got into, and I believe it was five seasons long, and there's, there's a promise for a movie to come out afterwards. But um, okay. Donald Glover is in it, and, and he is quite funny. That's, um, that's Danny Glover's kid? Danny Glover's son, yes. Okay, interesting. Okay. And when it comes to Sasha, mm-hmm. yeah, let's search. Um, I know she moved out as well. She is, oh, gosh, this is from 2023. Yeah, I know, right? The Jeopardy theme. No, I need, I need like a, I need, I need a internet music selection. I'm going to find one for my vast library of musical sounds or something. I, can, yeah, I need about 20 need seconds worth. Yeah. Maybe 30 seconds worth of, uh, of something. So apparently she still was a student up until recently in USC, which explains why the two sisters were living close together. Um, but there's not the a whole University lot I'm finding of as far California. as what she's doing. Yeah, University Correct. of Southern California for our listeners in uh, Latvia. Yes. We yeah. have listeners all over the world. Isn't it great? <laughs> we have listeners everywhere. We have Iceland. We have, um, it's amazing. I love places. that. We're in Thailand, Vietnam. We're in Cuba. Hey, Cuba. We're working on it. We'll get you free. Right? Give us a chance. Hey, everybody. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Goodbye. they're both in LA and obviously if Malia is pursuing a degree in screenwriting, I'm sure Sasha will probably take on the political aspect of that. She'll probably become a BLM movement enforcer or something to that extent, but she'll have her own name for it. No, I, they um, don't have to look for cannot work. find much they're, of anything. They're not struggling. They're not struggling no, for a job. Of course yeah. not. Okay. Right. Of course not. Okay. But uh, let's find out. Well, we need to do a little more exposure on Black Lives Matter because as a black supremacist group, uh, which is basically an extortion mm-hmm. group to make money, they'll have a lot of mansions. I don't know if the Antifa oh, folks have the same amount of mansions. But yeah, Black Lives Matter mansions. We should label them. We should have like a Black Lives yeah. Matter. We should make a video. You know, if you, I don't know if you want to produce one. Uh, I'm giving you a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. I just happen to be thinking of it. But we need to do a video. And now the, the Action Radio Black Lives Matter mansion tour. <laughs> you know, we compile this video yes. of different views of their houses and we'll just narrate it. Oh, that could be funny. Yeah. Okay. I well, I know that crew. Candace Owens actually did something similar. She camped outside of the founder of BLM's house shortly oh. after the financial statements were released publicly. And uh-huh. um, she, she was literally eight months pregnant at the time and walked up to the security camera footage asking to be let onto the property and was rejected <laughs> because she was a threat. And she's like, I'm literally eight months pregnant, waddling to your door, and I just want to talk. And they refused to let her onto the property. And then shortly thereafter, the founder posted a video on Instagram, and she was crying dramatically. I'm being threatened. Candace <laughs> Owens is outside my home. How can this happen? I'm triggered. in danger. Oh, yeah. There's a pregnant oh, woman yeah. trying the to assault tears and the- Exactly. Yeah, I I how intimidating it is to find an eight-month pregnant woman at your door. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Well, yeah. Candace Owens is another person yeah. I'd love to talk to. I mean, I would love to get her on the show. Yeah. I think a lot of these, a lot of these I folks that Candace. we, I, yeah, I think a lot of the folks we want to get on the show are going to be asking us to be on at some point because once we break out, once this catches on, once people realize the potential of citizen legislation, then we're going to have a lot yeah. of people knocking on our door. Um, so I, I have stopped I pursuing. Thank you. I've stopped pursuing a lot of people because it's a waste of my time to send emails to minions because they don't understand. They don't care. And unless mm-hmm. you're famous, they don't, mm-hmm. they're not reading them. They're not thinking about the potential of what I'm talking about. They're just tossing it because, you know, I, they, they don't I'm not famous yet. However, 
that's going to be changing. Uh, and like I say, with uh, if Wimkin gets us a big profile, you know, and 600,000 people take a look at us and, and, and we go from there and some other things that might happen. Of course, my big one, well, you're a media person, so let me ask you this. If I can pull this off and get on the show with Carlson and actually walk him through writing a bill on the air that we immediately send to mm-hmm. Congress, everything in politics and media changes at that point. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't think that anybody could watch that happen and not be in agreement that that's something that needs to take effect immediately, and it needs to be the template for the ongoing future of our country. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm glad I thought of all this. You know, (laughs) know, know, anyway, give myself a round of applause. But no, seriously, though, um, that uh, and the beauty of this is all all folks like you who are involved with us now, this could be. Uh, once we start this ball rolling down the hill or the boulder down the hill, it's going to get bigger. It's like the snowball down the hill. This, once this thing starts, we don't know yeah. where it's going to go. It's, uh, you know, we're kind of like the calm before the storm. So we know the potential. The reality, nobody knows. God knows. That's about it. Uh, the rest of us are just kind of right. wondering. But, but if it happens and all of a sudden 150 million people watch legislation being written on the air, Everything about the concept mm-hmm. of politics, about lawyers, about lobbyists, about uh, the mystery of the law itself, about judges, the Supreme Court, all that stuff goes out the window in the course of an hour. That's why I want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. No, hmm. I, I think that it would be the, the best possible exposure and how brilliant it is. I mean, I personally, I think Tucker Carlson is a bold, brave face for our country. And, you know, mm-hmm. many people love or hate him. I love how bold he is and how he speaks out. He reminds me a lot of you in the sense that he is not afraid to speak truth and really not care. He, he literally just does not care. He's like, I'm going to say what I need to say because it needs to set. And very much like Trump in that aspect. So to have him go through the steps of you live on air, I just, it's brilliant. I love that idea. And I, oh, I'm so anxious and excited yeah. to see that happen and yeah. see the response that it, that it draws and puts a passion. And I think that that's literally what is lacking, Greg, is a passion mm-hmm. in the hearts of Americans to take this seriously and say, listen, we're tired of the way our country looks. That's why earlier the gentleman you were speaking to was talking about going to D.C. and seeing 80% Trump stuff. Oh, that's Bill. Bill Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, He's and a the regular. fact that that's happening, yeah, as far as that heart and that spirit, like, if we can just get the average American to say, this is my country too, instead of saying, yeah, I don't have a voice, my vote doesn't matter, what's the difference? And then there's been that apathy for far mm-hmm. too long. And that rolls over to the religious side too that Wendy was talking about where, mm-hmm. you know, it, you get to the end times and there is a sense of urgency. We have a sense of urgency in our country, in our world. And this America is such a fantastic country and an opportunity for anybody to to speak their voice, to get it out there and to impact other countries, to make people rise up and realize we do not have to take it. We can unite and stand together. We've seen that anywhere. We've seen the impact of BLM burning cities down with a small minority of Americans losing their minds temporarily. If they can change the country to the fact that Puppet Biden is sitting right now on a chair that he was coup d'etat into, then mm-hmm. we can be a stronger voice. We can stand together united against that. We can take up opposition and say, not in my house, and have a, have a voice. Yeah, I love all that. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, 
I think what's happening is that people, uh, all they hear is we're going to take our country back. And, and in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, how? How are you going to do that? And mm-hmm. th- there's no answer. Mm-hmm. There's no answer because they don't because most conservatives don't want to take the country back. They're crappy being losers. I'll be honest. You look no, at the there conservative is, writers. There is an answer. It's just not an easy one. That's the problem. It, there's no easy way out. You can't sit and let the government give you a paycheck and say, well, you know, I can't find a job, so I'll let them pay me forever. No, that's mm-hmm. it. That's looking for an easy way out. Yes, we can take our country back. We just have to be brave enough, courageous enough, and willing mm-hmm. to do it. Well, see, and that's what I think we've done here is that we've actually created yeah. a way a way to take the country back, you know, in, in the fact that we write the laws that we consent to be governed by. Now, I'll let people know I'm not talking right. about a dictatorship. I'm not talking about, you know, forceful, right. you know, changing the government. All I'm exactly. talking about is writing the bills and then putting them through the normal constitutional legislative process. But we have to be right. and we can be far more powerful than the lobbyists, even though they have lots of money. We have lots of people, millions, in fact. Yeah. And so that's Absolutely. the thing. So. Yeah. So if we get if if I can do this and get on Tucker Carlson's show, and I think you're right. He and I picked him purposely. He's the one person who would do it because he's yes. brave enough to do it, and he wouldn't go. Well, that's not the format. That's mm-hmm. not how we do things around here. We just report the news. I am so sick of journal. I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but I've talked to people. Well, I just report the news. Okay, so you're useless. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice function. It, it's good, but you're not. You're not. Uh, you've got uh, an entire leftist media that is there for to screw the country. That is there purposely advocating against the country. So where's the counterbalance? Right. It's no, it's no virtue yes. to say to, to keep your, your um, I guess, your, your sort of lofty principles of objectivity when there is no objectivity. When the enemy you're facing, right. you know, it, it's like uh, the British redcoats, you know, marching in uniform and bright red jackets. So you can see where they were down the, down the, down the open fields. And, uh, you know, we American soldiers, you know, had the equivalent of sniper rifles shooting from behind rocks and trees and things like that. That's, that's what the war is right now. And the conservatives are walking down the street in formation, you know, just waiting to be picked off. It's, it's a totally different set of rules. And they're not playing. Yes. They're, not, they're not even in the game. And so this would be, I think, the biggest shock to the deep state, both Republican and Democrat and everybody involved, the, and the greatest shock to people. And they're going to go, it's that easy? And the answer is yes, mm-hmm. it's that easy. So when you yes. say it's, it's, it's impossible, yes. it's, it's tough, and it's, it's actually not that tough. It's actually remarkably simple. You know, I wrote that bill on uh, compliance costs in, in basically six hours. Right, right. I honestly wish that it was a required college course in every single school across the country. If they Which could, was? I mean, and it, it doesn't take a college student to do it. High school students could do it, but I love the mentality of a college-aged person versus a high school-aged person because they have much more of a grasp on what's needed in our country. And I'm not saying the views are always going to be in, in the best pursuit of our country. There's many selfish, ambitious people out there who are going to put legislative ideas out there that benefit them. But that's why the process goes through legislation. And, and we weed out the, we separate the wheat from the chaff, if you will. And um, being able to see different viewpoints come across also expands you and opens you up to ideas that you may not have thought of. We are a melting pot. There are different mm-hmm. people out there with other views that we may not think about in our little neighborhood because we're not exposed to them. But when we see their viewpoint and where they come from and where they're standing on, we can take that into consideration and we can help make our country more diverse mm-hmm. in a healthy way instead of gearing it towards, oh, poor you, let's gear to the 1% of the country who, who feels this way. You know, and I specifically say that in regards to things like the LGBTQ agenda. Funny you say that because our next person is the progressive report and Bianca's on the line right now. But uh, that's, that's, what, that's what we talk about contrast. So uh, 
We have a very interesting report following you. Bianca von Krieg, um, actor, political advocate, was running against Nancy Pelosi, I think, a couple of times, um, got half a million signatures against Gavin Newsom to recall him. And so uh, this thing that I think a lot of conservatives don't look into uh, are progressives. And I'm not talking about the the Marxist deep state types, but uh, genuine progressives who, uh, like uh, Bianca believes in universal income. And we disagree on pretty much everything, but we really get along. It's kind of interesting. Um, But the idea of universal (laughs) income, of of housing subsidies and things like that. Uh, And so it's a fascinating look into um, progressives. And this is why I'm going to talk to uh, Bianca about this, too. But to the other idea I have, I just want to finish up on this, um, is the idea of a Trump-Kennedy discussion with Tucker Carlson. This is my other idea. And both these ideas have to do with Chadwick Moore, who's the biographer of Tucker, uh, wrote the book Tucker. And so I'm going to, I have trying to get uh-huh. back in touch with him uh, through the folks that brought him on the show. And so let me, let me just, here's another, you know, what if, if we could get uh, Robert Kennedy and uh, Donald Trump to sit down together at a table with Tucker Carlson and just talk, not a debate, not a, you know, and no studio right. audience asking dumb pre-planned questions, but just the two of them, just let them go. And Tucker says, you know, what's your energy yeah. policy? What's your environment policy? What do you want to do with foreign policy? What do you want to do with the national debt? Ask really broad general questions and just let the two of them talk and talk to each other. I think that would be historic yeah. also. I agree. I agree. That would, and I, that would fascinate me. I would be glued to that. <laughs> I think everybody would. I haven't talked to a single person, you know, liberal or conservative, that wouldn't find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two big ideas I'm working on. I agree. On. Yeah. So give yourself a shameless plug. Let's hear about well, Fern Radio. <laughs> all right. Get yes. You, uh, you, you, can, of, uh, you can hear me. Go ahead. Give me all my shameless plugs. So on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am on WFRN.com. You can go to that and you can listen live. I also have two cookbooks that I've written, and you can find me at www.bonnie-appetit.com. You can also find me at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. And next week, I hope I don't sound so nasally. <laughs> well, no, you sound fine. But I think I gave you too much homework. But, uh, you know, any project that sounds good, I've got uh, go a lot of homework. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll so do. We'll find, we'll find out what's going on with it. And, and remember, I think about a, a section on, uh, and here's what's not in the news. So we should have the not in the news report. Yes. That'd be interesting, too. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. I, I like that. You bet. All Thank right. you, Greg. Okay, I'm just going to play one thing for a minute because I'm exhausted. <laughs> this has been an unbelievable – I really love Wednesdays. It's been unbelievable. Be right back with uh, Bianca Von Krieg. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news! Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That. Action Radio.
All right, now let's go to Bianca von Krieg, our progressive reporter on the left coast, and find out what's happening on the other side of the political spectrum. Good morning. How are you doing? Hi, Greg. It's good to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, Wednesdays are crazy, though, uh, because we had uh, Bill, Wendy, Bonnie, and now you. I actually enjoy it because I would rather talk to all you folks than just listen to myself, you know, talk about news or, or, you know, I need to do some of that because I need to talk about what's going on here in our legislation. But um, for the most part, it's much more fun to talk to other people. So what's happening with you? Oh, not too much. I'm getting some chuckles here over the some of the headlines. I, I think we sent you something a little while back that there was a, uh-huh. a bakery owner here in the mission um, who wouldn't allow um, armed police. Yeah, let's talk about that because that's not the first time I've heard about that. That was going on when I was uh, in California. So this is a this is a thing because now here I am in Florida. I'm in Milton, Florida, near Pensacola. We've got uh, tons of veterans. You know, this is a conservative area where basically Southern Alabama. So the idea of not allowing—I mean, most people here are armed anyway, just just as citizens, let alone (laughs) the police. (laughs) You know, everybody's carrying a gun around here. It's like Texas. (laughs) Everybody's carrying a gun. Makes a very peaceful neighborhood. Um, So uh, I carry a gun. You know, and in fact, that's part of the reason I left mm-hmm. California. I wanted that experience. I want to know what it's like to live as a, as a free man, you know, armed. And so uh, in, Cal- in Florida now, you don't, uh, uh, they don't uh, have the restriction of having to get a permit. So if you're a law-abiding citizen, you know, and if you do something wrong, yeah, they're going to go after you. But uh, for the most part, um, it's, a, it's a very different experience in California. So why is this? What, you know, it, well, tell me, tell me what happened with the story because I haven't read that one. I read the other two stories. Yeah. Saying, but what's going on with the bakery? Let's talk about them first. What's, what's, what's well, going what on? happened with the bakery is is that the the police uh, the police it was actually the police union who put out the tweet that kind of like out of the situation, and the mm. thing is is that they 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 lied. And, who lied? The police uh, lied, were, or, or the poli- the police union lied? Yeah, because what okay. they said was that they said that they couldn't come in, and what the what actually happened was is that the owner said they could come in after duty when when they're off duty or and unarmed so it wasn't a, it wasn't a complete reversal but that's not what the media picked up on mm-hmm. and it's happened before um you know you've there's another story earlier about uh i want to say about three four months ago about a north beach uh establishment doing the same thing too <clears throat> and the thing is people don't feel comfortable you know with Somebody like you know having a gun sitting next to them you know, while they're having dinner or a snack or whatever. Why not? And that's understandable. And and it, it's a it's probably a cultural thing out here. Um, but you know, it might it might be just ingrained after decades and decades of having it. But still, it is a cultural thing here. And and well, as you know, they are entitled to let who they want in in and out of their restaurant. Well, let me ask you something. Um, the first, but the funny first thing is, though, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. All right. Well, it, no, to, to me, it's like the funny thing is if they. All right, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We're, just, the, we're going we back. We got work on the delay thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, West the funny Coast. thing is, is if they came in while they're off duty. They could still have a concealed weapon, and, and it's totally legal because cops. Are yeah, no, that, so. that's absolutely true. How would you know? And first of all, how would you know they were police? You know, a yeah, concealed weapon is exactly. concealed. I, I conceal weapons all the time, only because it's the law. Mm-hmm. We have open. If we had open carry, I might be open carrying. In fact, I might do both. I might open mm-hmm. carry one and conceal another one. I mean, I you know, I would just try different things just because it, it amuses me, you know, as well as uh, just to try to see what works for me. But uh, I think open carry is is anything less than open carry is unconstitutional. 
But it, but mm-hmm. in uh, but how would they know? I mean, do they you know I mean, unless they know the police officers? And uh, most San Francisco police, I assume, are carrying concealed off duty anyway, just for their own protection. Yes, wouldn't they? They they take great pride in that. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's okay. a cherished little um, what do you call it perk. Yeah, but but that perk is unconstitutional because there's the the, the Second Amendment doesn't say the government yeah. shall have the right to uh, carry arms and that should be uh, you know not infringed upon. This is the people oh, I completely <laughs> still have the right to uh, carry yeah. guns and not be infringed upon. So they've actually reversed the Second yeah. Amendment in San Francisco and California. Yeah, and then, you know that's yeah you know, that's another reason that kind of like is this this uh, driving this kind of conscription force of police officers here. They you know they make more money than any city employee. They can make upwards of two hundred thousand dollars, and um, so they're not being they get all kinds of is that perks. What you're saying? <laughs> They, they they were initially, um, but the what what they're doing. I mean, they still have. I think uh, they still have an outstanding vacancy of like 500 officers here. They're, they're Wait a minute, what's getting pretty desperate in their average. What, what, how yeah, many they, they need, officers they need are there? to fill. I think there's about 700 right now, or something like that. And they have a 500 um, deficit. That's almost half. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute, because New York has 30,000, but they got five boroughs. San Francisco is seven miles by seven miles. Population <laughs> well, about, New York is uh, 10 times our size. Well, yeah, okay, so I'm just trying to figure out like a scale here, so I'm just doing some quick figures in my head. So you got you got 140 square miles. You've got uh, – how many people live in San Francisco? Close to a million, million, I would say. Is it a million now? Okay, no, so way more people. than that. No, it's – Just in the yeah, city. It's somewhere between like – I think it's in the high 800s or low 900s or something like that. Okay, so it's less than a million people, and so you've got mm-hmm. 700 police officers for maybe 700,000 people. That's 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 not a lot. That's like one police officer for every what 700 people. You know, I, 7, I don't know. 7, I'm not an expert yeah. in that in that particular area. Um, but it's but not all a I lot. all I remember was a figure of like 500, uh, a deficit of like 500 or something like that. That's huge. And a lot of them left because it was too hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, 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 I, I'll say this: you have to put a lot of um, constrict, constrictions to be a police officer in this city. Um, well, they didn't want me. I tried but, out during you know, uh, right after nine eleven. So uh, I mean, I know what it's like. Uh, well, if you reapply, process. I'm sure they might take a better look at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're sixty. <laughs> they made a point of saying, "I don't want to do it now. I've got a job." Well, that's the other thing too. Like, no real San Francisco wants to do these jobs. Um, it's just kind of this uh, thing where you'll you'll be like a kind of a social pariah to do these jobs. And you know, we've seen them when they go you out know, to I eat don't, too. So they I don't they don't want that. them in the restaurants. See, that's crazy um, uh, because I remember San Francisco police. You know, because uh, as a tour guide, I did a lot of big events. Uh, you know, like the the million person. Mm-hmm you know, Giants parades when they won the World Series. Uh, I was uh, driving one of the cable cars uh, during one of those parades. And I had uh, I had all the, the scouts on board my particular cable car. And there were police everywhere. And they weren't, you know, they were, they were maybe because a lot of people from out of the city. But uh, San Francisco police, and, and we talked about this before, I have had nothing but uh, good relations and service from, you know, San Francisco police. And I see them all the time because I was doing very public things for the tours. You know, whether they're directing traffic or around or crowd control or things like that, uh, they were fine. You know, I mean, there's other individuals that screw up because people do. But overall, I've never had problems with San Francisco police. Yeah, and there was a time, too, when you, know, you really had to want to get arrested in this town, too. 
Oh, you know, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's just like no matter what, you could you can knee a cop in the balls and you just say, okay, that's a warning. Next time we're really going to. That's a warning. Um, well, no. well, that that's that's assault. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. But I remember one time um, I was so living in the Western Edition. I'm I'm just across from the Panhandle, and there was some guy mm-hmm. with a knife, I guess, holding wife or girlfriend at knife point, and San Francisco police came by. And they had to SWAT people. They had the, the uh, AR-15s or M-16s on the rooftop, you know, and they sort of cordoned off the area. And we brought our lawn chairs out to watch. And they didn't care. <laughs> they were like, okay, just stay back here, you know, because it's, it's it wasn't like a gun. It was a knife. But just in case, you know, you just stay out of the line of fire and you'll be fine. And they were pretty good about it. <laughs> we were out there with our lawn chairs, you know, watching. This is great. This is like SWAT on TV, except it was real, you know. And they were pretty good about it. So, you know, they could have just thrown us back and, and did all kinds of stuff. And they didn't. During the earthquake, they were good. Yeah. I remember watching police. Well, I mean, everyone leaders. has a mixed bag. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and well, there has been some attrition due to, like, yeah, financial problems. But Yeah, but, you know, how um, many jobs make $200,000 that you don't have to have a college degree for? There's not a lot of jobs that make that much money. You, you would well, think law enforcement. That's, that's true, but um, practically it's not. Um, Did you want a college they're degree? Expecting, they're, they're, that's the expectation. Okay. make you more preferable. It's ridiculous. I, I personally think you shouldn't have to have a college degree to do that job. Um, I think there's a lot of jobs that you know, they're being kind of obnoxious in what they're asking for out of people these days, too. Like, you know, it's not uncommon. Any to white guys? Somebody with a couple of PhDs. <laughs> Are any white guys left on the force? <laughs> or have they been completely weeded out? Yeah, um, yeah there, there, there actually are kind of a few. Um, it's uh, I bet they're it's mostly what you see. No, no. A lot of young guys. Um, really? It's kind of across the board. Yeah. Um, not too many women um, that I'm seeing, but and again, it's, it's a nasty job. I can't see a woman really gravitating to that kind of work. Some women um, do. Some women do. Yes, some women do. Um, but uh, I don't see them in the more rougher neighborhoods, and that's generally where the, the rookies kind of start out at. Is you know they work the tougher areas like the the Tenderloin and Hershey Bay Point um, <clears throat> until they get huh. more points and then they get the uh, one of those nice cushy gigs in the marina just like you know soaking down peat coffee and staring at ladies. <laughs> yeah, um, there's some luxury jobs. Then they go work in Marin and they don't have to do anything. Yeah, Gene, yeah. um, no, uh, one of our reporters just sent me the Apple Store. I'm sorry, go ahead. And that's it. It's just all they do is they just park out in front of the Apple store and check out the view. Yeah, that's Union Square uh, where the uh, palm trees get Christmas lights. I'd say nothing says Christmas like lights on a palm tree. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. that, that's Christmas to me. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so funny. Uh, Gene, one of our reporters, just uh, typed in 815,000 in San Francisco. So, yeah, it's a lot of people in, in uh, 140 square miles. So mm-hmm. uh, 144, whatever it is. Yeah, 140? No, 40, 79 No, no, 49. Miles. 49 square miles, yeah. Math is not my strong point, as you've noticed. Yeah, okay. Um, so what's the, what's the resolution of this? What, uh, uh, was the bakery stigmatized, yelled at? Did they, are they still keeping police out? What's, what's, the, what's the result of this? They've, well, as far as I know, they, they took a little break, so to speak. There's a statement on their Instagram. Um, I, I don't have the URL, but you can Google you know, bakery mission. You know, um, the the thing is, is that they're taking a little break. They've had support on both sides. So they've had people saying, you know, yeah, you know, stand your ground, get it, girl, and all that stuff. And other people are you know, not so happy about it. Hmm. Um, so they're, they're taking a little break. Uh, personally, I hope they sue the POA 
for for you know spreading lies. Uh, <clears throat> but we'll see. Uh, you know, other businesses will start it. You know, continue. We're going to see a lot of this escalation. Um, you know, people really want to see the police defunded. Uh, well, you, have, you know, wait a minute. You, you, you got so many homeless. You got so many homeless. There's so many drugs in San Francisco. So many needles on the streets in the Tenderloin. I mean, uh, not the police. Who? Who's going to take problems? care of this? What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is that you know um, it, it, they don't necessarily they shouldn't necessarily be police problems, and that's what we're getting okay. at. Is that we actually need to invest the resources into the you know social workers and uh, housing and all you know and vocational training to you know to give these guys more positive lives. Um, and they're not doing that. That was the whole point of the defund movement. Is that you know opponents will say, hey, look, these are all great things, but we need to get you know people need help with these things now. And we've been letting that kind of an argument run the table for decades and decades. And now we're just saying enough is enough. We have to kind of, you know, put a doomsday scenario into the situation where the police are going to get more and more restricted and if something does. And if nothing happens, you know, from a, a social standpoint, then you're going to have a really bad problem in your hands in the future. And, of course, as we just saw with the, uh, the sweeps injunctions, um, they're, they're more than happy to let that – sorry? The sweeps injunctions, what are those? Yeah, that was the thing I was talking about last week, you know, with okay. the Ninth Circuit. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk about that in a second. But, but so the thing is that if if they don't solve these problems, they're going to get really bad. And from from what we've seen with the sweeps injunctions, the city is perfectly happy to let that happen. And and that's when you're kind of staring into the gaping maw of the deep state and who these people really are and what they really are all about. And so the Ninth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit. Um, injunction appeal was um, the city trying to get their right to kick, kick people off the street back. Mm-hmm. And, and we didn't want that. We wanted to force the city's hand saying, you know, we're going to let, we're going to restrict your options until the only option you have is to actually house these people and actually do your job as a city and take care of them. That was our whole, that was our whole guy. And they didn't want to do it. And it was all because of money. The city attorney himself, who has been the, the chief driver of appealing uh, the injunction, said, hey, look, if we did this, it's going to cost $1.5 billion. And we're like, good, spend it. Yeah. <laughs> we have a $15 yeah. billion city budget, and we have 77 billionaires living in our city. Yeah, there's money here. This isn't Ethiopia. This isn't Mexico. Well, how much tourism? Money, spend how it much is San Francisco make on tourism? It's the biggest. I think it's like the largest export. And, yeah. Um, so uh, – that's the other thing too. You know, we don't we don't want the sweeps to happen because we want people to see what's actually happening in San Francisco, not the okay. cheery people at you know Pier 39 and the Golden Gate Bridge and all that other BS. We want them to see what, that there's a cost to kind of this false utopia that the city's projecting, and we want them to we want the city to be ashamed. We want tourism to suffer a little bit, not int- not intentionally, but we do want them to. We do want the city to fill the pinch and go, you know, you guys need to do what you're supposed to do. And that's all we're trying to get them to do. But aren't they feeling that already? 
if you've got a reduction in tourism, you've got people, and that's probably a multi-billion dollar you know, income for San Francisco is, is tourism. I mean, you got hotel rooms at $1,000, $2,000 a night during conventions. You know, there's an incredible amount of yeah. money that comes in there. Uh, Sausalito gets 1.6 million visitors a year, and it's a small town, and it's a, just across from San Francisco. Yeah. So Sam, if Sausalito gets 1.6 million. San Francisco probably gets five-plus million. 10 million. I don't know how many And visitors. that's a great point. There's another piece of news that goes along with that, Greg. Um, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Dreamforce. No. Um, to, those, to the people who aren't, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big tech conference that's run by this oh. company called Salesforce. Yeah. Yes, I've heard and of this. I don't know much about it. It's acquired by yeah. Oracle. But, um, right. So it, it brings in like, you know, like over 100,000 people into the city. Right. Like it happens around the beginning of October. And it's, it's gotten so big, they've had to actually bring in cruise ships to, you know, to park on, at the harbors to, to house oh, all wow. these people. Oh, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, and the guy who – yeah, yeah. And, and, of course, the hotel rooms skyrocket as well. Um, I mean, a Motel 6 will go for like $400 a night. It's nuts. Yeah, that's scary. And yeah. <laughs> that is scary. That really is. It really is. Uh, yeah. So the guy who, who uh, owns Salesforce, his name is Mark mm-hmm. Benioff. And he's an interesting okay. figure in and of himself, hmm. in that um, he was a he was a lead proponent of a plan to tax um, the richest tech companies in the city in order to help the homeless problem. He actually was on a proponent of that system. A lot of them opposed it. And now Benioff is saying that Dreamforce could be in jeopardy because of the, the situation on the streets. So there's, there's well, it's, it's too dangerous yeah. for people to walk to the convention, you know, when they get from the cruise ship. To, are they still holding it uh, around? Uh, well, it's not dangerous. That's the thing. That's what the, they were saying. They did some, they interviewed some people on the street, and they said, you know, it's it, it looks worse than it is, and that's really what the truth is. It's, yeah, but it's people unpleasant. don't want to walk by homeless tents and yeah. things like that. You know, well, here's you don't the question, want to pay, though. like, $600 a night for your hotel and then like, you know, what I'm paying for, you know, I have to walk by. So, uh, you know, I understand that standpoint, but on the other hand, we want them to see what the real city is and that's what they're going to get. And it's not as, it's, it's really not dangerous. It's just unpleasant. And it's at worst, it's a nuisance. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to kind of like walk around there encampments, which brings to me another piece of uh, news from the left coast here. Mm-hmm. And that is good old Nancy Pelosi actually built another fence around her office here on 7th Street and Mission in San Francisco. The walls don't work, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's the great part. You know, I love uh, telling these things to, you know, my Republican friends and saying that piece where we have that clip of Nancy Pelosi sitting in in the Trump Oval Office and saying, Mr. President, we can have security without fences. And she was referring to the border wall. And I really love to show those words in her face right now. We have a picture of Nancy Pelosi's just, place. Uh, send it to me. We can post it. I mean, this is a. I don't know if it's in the the news or anything, but uh, that'd be yeah. Kind of funny. I'll, I'll get you. A, I, I meant to do it, um, but yeah. I'll, I'll get you that link. It's it's great, and it was, it's because of the you know these kind of homeless encampments that are around the uh-huh. federal building there. That's where she works in uh, on Seventh Street, and it's the same thing. Um, it's it's unpleasant to look at. Sometimes it becomes uh, an obstruction to the street. Because yep. uh, they do, they they do tend to kind of uh, expand out a little bit, not intentionally. It's just you know they're, yeah. they're living on but, the street. They can't uh, exactly call somebody to do that for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's unpleasant to look at, but it's, it's harmless. 
Well, it's, it's interesting that we were talking about uh, police defunding before and things like that. I think the mission gets blurred. You don't want to send social workers mm-hmm. into a, a domestic violence situation or, or a bank robbery. Uh, you don't want to send the police into you know, a counseling session. So I think part of the problem is having police do social work and having social workers do police work. So I want to make real clear the difference. Mm-hmm. So if you're defunding the police and mm-hmm. sending social workers in their place, that's what a conservative would say. So wait a minute. You know, you, you totally misplaced the mission. Um, as far as the homeless now, goes, you're, you're one, taking it way too literally. You're t- you, that it's it's way too literally. But um, that's the perception, though. It, that's we're not that's saying, why I want to. There are yeah, there are, there are saying. some instances where that is called for. Okay. Um, to, to send us, and they have actually, they have since the, the George Floyd incident, they have um, created these new kind of out, you know, kind of like uh, outreach teams that go out and do that, and they actually they have special trucks made for them and everything. But no, that's the, the idea is that we take the money that would have been spent on you know policemen, which really doesn't solve the problem; it just moves it away, and um, and devote it to resources that actually do solve the problem. So it's not like we exchange a, a cop for a social worker and give and push them on the street. That's no, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. It's saying we, these people need actual resources. They need health care. They need food. They need a place to live that's secure where they can store their things. And, you know, and more importantly, you know, a lot of them have dogs. And I'm a dog mommy myself. And if you have to make the choice between having a place to live and your dog, it's not much of a choice for them. You know, you, they just can't park from them. They seem as children. So uh, we, we want to give them the things that they actually need. And there's, and there's plenty of resource there to provide that. They just don't want to do it. And that's the thing. So that's why we're doing these on the police. It's not about, you know, I mean, yeah, technically, you know, it can mean like less police on the street. But the thing is, if they actually do what they're supposed to do, you're going to need, you won't need those police anyway. So that's the idea. Yeah. But part of the problem I see also is that the policies of San Francisco attract homeless people to San Francisco. That's you a know, great benef- point. That's a you great know, the point. Benefits That's are why better. I'm in favor of the border wall. Okay. And, um, that would be a shock to most conservatives. You know, you can't, I, just, I just want to know that every conservative yeah, that's, went, well, what, that's the thing. What was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they can, they can give us a call too. We'll talk to them. Um, okay. Because it's, you can't have that state. And there was an article, I should send this to you as well, mm-hmm. um, about... Uh, there, there's this kind of um, a shelter that's specifically designed for transgender people here in San Francisco. And why would you need a, a shelter for, for transgender people? Why is that? A, why was that a separate shelter? I'm getting to that. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just. I have a roundabout way of I was going to ask you anyway. Yeah, go ahead. I just don't mind me. So, um, <laughs> so anyhow, this place called St. James Infirmary provides you know housing uh-huh. services, shelter, and subsidized housing to trans people. Okay. The thing is, they're being shut down because of their, you know, kind of their defunct policies. But uh, one of the one of the uh, the people who was on the the board there said, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing right now. This is a quote in the in the in the Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle article. We're seeing right now that we cannot we cannot reconcile sanctuary cities with providing housing services for trans people because. Uh, we're seeing policies in the Midwest that people are kind of, there's a bit of a backlash to the transgender movement and it's forcing you know, transgender people to come to San Francisco. And they're, they're actually calling ahead, trying to make reservations, so to speak. And oh, wow. you, you can't, so you can't, you can't have this. I've always said sanctuary city policies are inhumane, you know, because you can't, you, the, the 
they're not they're not supported. You know, where where are these people going to live? There's no we can't house the people we have here. How are we supposed yeah. to house people from you know Mexico or El Salvador or you know even Texas? Can, and yet that's the policy. You know, trans, yeah. Yeah, but how yeah, did that come about? And that's why I applaud Greg Abbott for doing what he did. I think Greg yeah. Abbott was a genius, sending these people to Chicago and New York and saying, "Look, this is you know, now we're going to make your butt cash the checks your mouth has been writing." Yeah, and that's exactly what they did, and that's exactly what. And now, and now they're starting to get mad too. I saw this great thing in the news about the people in Staten Island getting mm-hmm. pissed off about them getting moved over there. Oh no! And I think it was a great. You're thing in the white neighborhood. They're showing them <laughs> the reality of these. Yeah. Yeah, these. You know, yeah. talk about using people as pawns. Yeah. You know, my God. So uh, yeah, I'm glad Greg Abbott did what he did, and I talked to his office. I spoke to his chief of staff, and I said, "Keep doing it. Really? Keep it up." Wow. And so yeah, so we can't have a sanctuary city, even though we'd like to. Yeah, we. I mean. Um, you know, I have a personal experience about a, a trans person who couldn't get help, and she killed herself. Oh, I'm and sorry. It's, yeah, yeah. It's uh, we'll. I guess we'll have another show about that later if you guys want. Sure. But it's it's a it's a very um, it's a very real circumstance, and um, it's a very sad circumstance. And I blame some of it on the LGBT community, kind of painting a rosier picture than there actually is about the realities of transitioning and kind of almost enticing people to do it when it really isn't the kind of support they need, you know, to, to do these things. Um, but so, yeah, having sanctuary city policy, when, they, when, when there's simply no place to put people or there's no infrastructure to serve them, is a very inhumane and inconsiderate policy. Yeah, we so should that, we should talk about that. Uh, that'd be a um, kind of a gutsy subject for us to cover. Would be the whole idea of, mm-hmm. of who is you know influencing people to make transitions when they maybe should or shouldn't. You know, I mean that's that's a yeah. whole conversation that we should have. Uh, and again, this is why I like having you on so we can talk about these things. Um, the 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 sanctuary city. The original idea I think was sort of an anti. It wasn't anti Trump. It was just anti Republican. Uh, when uh, Trump yeah. and other folks, maybe it goes back to Bush. I'm not sure how far back it goes. But the idea was that we don't want. And this is my position. I don't want illegal aliens in my country. I think we have a right to a country without illegal aliens. You know, as an immigrant, as a legal lawful immigrant, you know, who watched my folks try for years to get in the United States, and then when we got here, I, you know, waited years to become a citizen. I went through the process. Okay, and so I know how the process. My works. mother it's a good did process. Too. Yeah, it takes a long time, but that's the whole point. You know, these people that are the folks that are born here, they don't appreciate what it what it is for people uh, to come here and, and try and become citizens. And those that do it legally, Josie's one, me, some other folks, uh, we're the strongest proponents of a good immigration, a lawful immigration system because we went through it. You won't find anybody who's stronger um, against illegals than people who came here legally. Because you know, why yeah. should they? It's like it's like cheating at the lunch line in high school. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm gonna go in first. Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's a great analogy. You know, yeah. But I mean, that's just. But but the thing is, but these sanctuary cities were set up. Uh, I, I don't know if they thought through the consequence because they, it was like, well, we're gonna show that we're yeah, gonna take illegal aliens because we're we're better than you. We're more charitable. And then when they actually get illegal aliens, the hypocrisy of it all comes out. Is that we want some illegal aliens, but not too many. You know, so there comes a point where it's like, well, now you've created a problem. Well, you asked for that problem. You wanted to be a sanctuary against U.S. federal law to take in people that can't be here. So now what? And it's, it's uh, you know, chickens coming home to roost kind of thing. There's a whole lot of chickens out there who are yeah. coming to San Francisco and other places. A whole lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that's 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 the thing is that the chickens are coming home to the roost, and they got no place to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, and think about it, you know, it's 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 not un unprecedented to um, to know that some of these people have turned to violence because they're angry. You know, <laughs> they've been sold a bill of goods, so to speak, that really wasn't there, and they've come across you know hundreds, if not thousands, of miles, sometimes on their feet, and you know. <laughs> To a party that's not there or not there for them, you know, like. Well, and we you know, shouldn't like, be because they shouldn't have come here. But the, but to the fact is that the, the the insurrection lied, and brought in millions of people, and they all thought they were going to live in in uh, like you know Dallas. But the TV show Dallas, everybody's got a everybody's got a big ranch, right? Americans are all rich. We all drive Lincolns with you know you know uh, antlers on the front or you know of our Lincoln <laughs> Continentals. It doesn't work that way, okay? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have come here, no. and, and I'm wondering, uh, have, is there any statistics on people that have actually come here and went, you know what? That's not what I was promised. I'm going back. How many people are going back across the border? Because I don't think that ever gets talked about. I, yeah, I think I don't think it's insignificant at all. Actually, I know okay. that I saw a news report uh, about I want to say nine months ago, where like the rents in Mexico were actually going up, you know, because of, of oh, the kind of immigration that was yeah, huh. people were coming back to Mexico, so the rents were going. I think they increased like twenty percent or something like that. Yeah. It was pretty big. Yeah. And so, so people, let me yeah, give you a, realizing that there's yeah. not much of a – well, that's it. There's just not much of a, of a change for them. You know, yeah, I mean they can make more money, but they're going to you know, spend it all on rent or something like that and just having to deal with the cost of living here. So, so, kind of, so here's the problem. More, it becomes a zero-sum game for them. Yeah. So, so conservatives will look at this mm-hmm. and go um, – you know how these people are. It's like the Demo, It looks like the Democrats brought these folks in to vote Democrat, legally or illegally. And so this is how conservatives are looking at this. And so we're so we're saying if if you know these folks are being uh, bussed in, I, I advocated that uh, Greg Abbott send trainloads of people to New York and Chicago and San Francisco and Los Angeles, you know, and uh, Minneapolis and all all the liberal bastions, all the sanctuary cities. Like you know, he should be he should be sending ten trainloads a day because we're talking millions of people. And where are these yeah. folks going to go that shouldn't be here? And, and this is the thing people forget. They shouldn't be here. So now that they're here, do you, do you agree with this? Or, or what, I think we've talked about this before, but I'd just like to restate it again. The real reason, why would the Democrat Party, why would the, why would the uh, you know, Biden government bring in millions of people, if not to vote Democrat? What other possible reason could they have? Help me out on that oh, one. Oh, well, it's obvious. This Again, this is a deep state policy. It's not a democratic policy. It's a deep state okay. policy to bring in cheap labor. That's what it is. Okay. And so that's why they want to. But they can't work and here. And that's why you see companies like, what? But they can't work here. Oh, but I mean, they can't. There's certain, yeah, yeah. you know, there's, uh, you know, they I mean, can legal. vote in San Francisco, obviously. So they can obviously right. find other ways around it. They start out with like, you know, kind of doing gig worker jobs and things like that. Right. There are all sorts of organizations that assist them with, um, you know, getting into some kind of employment. That you know, the agricultural industry, which is like the second biggest industry in California after tech, right. um, hires them too. So, because they don't, they don't want to pay locals like real wages. Again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If anybody tells you there is a labor shortage, punch them in the face. Well, no, there's too many people on unemployment. So we got Americans you know, paid not to work, and we're paying illegal aliens to work, and neither of those things, uh, you know, one's improper and one's illegal. 
<laughs> so, you know, this is a this is a self-created problem. We don't need this problem. We could put yeah. Americans to work no. who should be working instead of sitting on their butt. And illegals should be. Well, my solution, here, here's, a, here's a, a capitalist free market solution, is to help the countries create better economics within their own country. So if we could model El Salvador, for example, which is doing really well. They've arrested their gang members. They're very prosperous. Uh, you don't see a lot of El Salvadorians coming to the United States because their country is in pretty good shape. I mean, I advocated that Trump go down there and work with the president of El Salvador and bring in some serious investment, you know, in, in factories, in production, in agriculture, in entrepreneurship, small business, things like that. Do the things that work. Trump did the same thing in, in a lot of cities in this country. He had, uh, you know, economic zone benefit, things like that. Uh, it goes back to Jack Kemp. You know, he was doing the same kind of thing. So the answer to, to I, the real answer to the illegal alien problem uh, is not deporting and rounding up and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the real answer is to provide a situation of freedom and prosperity in these countries because they're coming here thinking that well, it's you know all freedom that and prosperity and it's easy. Go ahead. Where? Well, that actually goes back a lot further than you think, and that actually goes back okay. to a guy named Ross Perot who yeah. – um, was was fighting a policy that Bill Clinton would eventually sign into law called NAFTA, the North America Free Trade Agreement, and that was the exact point: is to it was to cre- create these, um, you know, allow companies to export what they made in Mexico over the border, and that therefore the Mexicans wouldn't have to, you know, go over here to get these jobs; they could just do them there. It ended up kind of being somewhat somewhat of a da- disaster, but they did make a lot of um, it did improve the economics of uh, some of the border towns, and that there are these companies that are that had arisen. They were specifically called Maquiladoras. And, yeah, uh, remember that. I, yeah, yeah, I forget the translation of it, but the idea was is that um, it, w- it would work out for everybody, and it just kind of seemed to work out for the companies, and then marginally work out at best for the people in the Maquiladoras. So uh, yeah, uh, Ross Perot was somebody who, who believed in fighting that. You know, tooth and nail, and he even ran for president. You know, that was one of the reasons why he ran for president. But it's not an it's not an old idea. It's um, you know, help them help themselves where they are, uh-huh. then they won't need to go. Yeah. You know, to the United States, and you know, it, it's. I agree. I think it's a, it's a better way to go because, um, mm. you know, I mean, people like Mexico, they love what's happening. Because it kind of gets rid of the people that they don't want to deal with to begin with, and they don't, and they don't have any kind of moral consumption about helping, helping them anyway. It's it's pretty bad over there. there. Um, so yeah, so Mexico loves what's happening. Any any of the countries like yeah, get them out of here. We don't like them anyway. And it's mm-hmm. a very yeah. nasty thing. We're, we're not getting entrepreneurs. We're not getting the best no. people crossing the border. We're getting, you know, no. the, the in fact, as Trump was saying, they're emptying out their mental hospitals, they're emptying out their jails. We're getting some really bad people. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to die in this country. I uh, went to a convention in Washington years ago, and I was talking to parents of, of people that have been killed, uh, where their kids have been killed by illegal aliens, either in traffic accidents, driving drunk, or just outright murder. And so there's a crime problem in this country. You don't want to import crime. You know, if you, the whole idea of an immigration system is that you bring in the best, the brightest, the people that are going to add to this country. People forget that immigration is not for immigrants. Immigration is for the United States to make it a better place, yeah. to bring in people that are doing things that can't be done, uh, that aren't being done by Americans. And I'm not talking about jobs because you know, Americans have done every job there is. But if you pay people not to do jobs yeah. and they're not going to do it, or if you pay so low, and this is another reason for bringing in the illegals because it lowers the, the wage of everybody else, then people can't do those jobs. So this is something people forget. Since they won't do those jobs, they can't do those jobs. You can't work a $5 an hour job 
if you have rent and uh, families and you know kids and things like that, you can't do it. So what we need to do really is raise the wages of everybody you in a way do that is. That. Yeah, but but you need so so I would look at this you know as, as a America First person, uh, thinking I want to raise wages too. I don't want to do it through the government minimum wage, although it certainly is is. Uh, I changed my mind on that too. You, you might find this interesting. But as they looked at it, mm-hmm. like Florida has a minimum wage um, that's, that's going up to $15 an hour. And I'm looking around seeing uh, help wanted signs. You know, they're still looking for people to work at a higher minimum wage than it was just a few years ago. It went from like 8 bucks to, I think, um, 10 then 11 then 12 It's going to go to 12 this year. And so apparently mm-hmm. the companies aren't suffering. I don't see a lot of companies going out of business. So that's not a problem unless they're making their workers work harder. So, so the wages well, – you know, it, you it look is at, unless you're a small business. Well, yeah, that, well, that's an issue too. This is why I don't like the minimum wage because it does really hurt some small businesses and people who might want to work in that and get the experience because you learn more from a job than just the wage. However, yeah. what I would like to see um, is just, uh, you know, if we, if we have fewer people here um, and we have Americans doing the jobs, you know, and we uh, stop paying the, the, the welfare and the unemployment for people not to work, it's going to be a very different situation. But I always love people, how conservatives like romanticize being poor. <laughs> no, I, I'm not romanticized because I've been poor. That just cracks I mean, me poor. up. Like, well, I don't know, think you it's collect worth, welfare no, and it's wonderful, and you'll have a yacht and you know. <laughs> no, I don't. Th- no, I don't think it's wonderful at all. In fact, I think people yeah. should. Uh, the whole point of, uh, of welfare is that it pays less than you should be able to make on a job. But I'm thinking. But my my opinion on the minimum wage was changed mm-hmm. when I realized that the executives have expense accounts and a lot of people have health benefits and things they're not paying for. So there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot mm-hmm. of perks out there. Uh, there's a lot of industries that are subsidized, like electric cars, uh, the defense industry, things like that. So the money is out there. So I'm thinking to myself to begrudge mm-hmm. people at the lowest end of the wage scale, uh, uh, you know, something of, of a wage, you know, requirement when everybody above them is, is getting benefits and, you know, bailouts and everything else like that seemed a little hypocritical. So I don't have the same feeling about the minimum yeah, wage. Yeah, absolutely. I would, yeah, but I would rather see it in terms of, of increasing uh, the productivity of people and having them being paid more simply because, you know, we have a better job situation, not because we have to require it. Um, from a government standard. So that's what I'm, that's how a free market person will look at it. Romanticizing the poor. I don't think conservatives romanticize the poor. In fact, we want to help the poor, but it's a different system. We don't want to just pay. It's it's a question of we just want to pay out money to the poor. It makes more sense to, uh, you know, it's like the old saying, it was the old Bible saying, you know, give a person a fish, you give a man a fish and teach him to fish. Yeah. Yeah. So we would, so the, so conservative would look at this and say, okay, I want to teach people how to fish. I want to teach people. Well, I had an idea for the homeless. Tell me what you think of this. Uh, You know, the tiny houses, Oh, my God. I was afraid somebody would bring that up. <laughs> well, okay, let me bring it up then if you're afraid yeah. of it. Here it is. All right. So my thought was, mm-hmm. and I, thought, I was thinking this back in San Francisco too, that if you take homeless people and you teach them how to build tiny houses and they become you know, carpenters and electricians and plumbers and things like that, um, they can then teach other people in other places how to build their tiny homes. The only question is where you put them. But, um, you know, maybe East Well, Bay, actually, it's more cost-effective to centralize it them and actually they're trying to they're starting to build them with 3d printers how do you like that well that's interesting but the question is where they're yeah. going san francisco may not be the best place but san bruno or some wide open spaces or maybe somewhere in the east bay or maybe in outside the bay area maybe maybe the solution no, they, to the homeless they've problem tried it somewhat they have tried it um they they have there are some pilot projects in, in oakland um, okay. where they where they've actually converted shipping containers um oh, that's into homes and 
I mean, yeah, they're not like full homes, but they, they do have like, I think there's like basic plumbing and, you know, electricity and things like that. In a shipping container? And it, in a shipping container. Wow. Yeah. Still and, a lot when it um, rains, though. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that there's, there's obvious issues around that that, that, that come up, but um, the, these are things people are trying because they're, they're desperate for, you know, to mm-hmm. do something to help these people. And I, you know, I respect that part too. Um, but I, you know, again, you know, I like what you said um, in the, in the middle of your of your little speech there. You know, <laughs> the resources are here. I yeah. Did, yeah, I don't know what else to call it. It was a nice, it was an interesting take. But um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the resources are here to solve these problems, and they just don't mm-hmm. want to allocate them. And that's yeah. the thing. And that's I think that's one thing we're both getting at is like you know, use these resources. Stop hoarding them and giving them to you know other billionaires or or, or you know people who are your donors. And yeah, why are you bailing up that bank, that, that bank that's uh, yeah. Silicon Valley Bank? Why are you bailing up that bank when they should in a free market they would simply go out of business? Okay, that's the way it should be. And here's the you know, and, here's and, the million sorry. dollar question: Is uh-huh. the deposits are only insured insured up to two hundred and fifty thousand two hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Right. Something like that. So why are people who have millions of dollars on deposit, you know? You know, getting bailed out, saying here's your money back. That's that. No, that's the cost. They should get their two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, you get two hundred. That's everything else. Yeah. Good luck. You know, yeah. and and the and Biden comes out and he says, you know, no, you're going to get your money. It's like, how are you going to pay for that? You better not be using yeah. taxpayer dollars. Cause well, they, they they're are really guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So again, that's that's another reason why he's probably going to lose um, the election and. Um, but yeah, they're not they're not they're not allocating the resources that they need to do to help these people, and that's what everybody's mad about. And their strategy is to get us to yell at each other over something like abortion or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and 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 at the same time, you know, ingratiate these people who have way too much as it is. And if you try to like you know call them on it at all, well, you're a communist or something like that. It just goes all the way down to communist. There's no middle ground. You're not a communist? I'm sorry, I'm just uh, kidding. No. <laughs> Got no, good no. resistance. That was too easy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, you know, it, and it also goes back to that article I sent you about uh, Jill Stein. Who had this yeah, great, let's talk about um, the two articles you like, sent because those are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me finish the uh, Jill Stein. So uh, Jill okay. Stein was on News Nation saying, you know, don't don't be bullied into these two candidate systems. And she was going on about, you know, how Biden really screwed people over. And he starts, you know, the you know, did it with the railroads. He overrode the, um, what do you call it, the strike um, uh-huh. because it was going to shut the nation down. Well, that's the idea. You know, they strike, it shuts the nation down, then they get what they want, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I forget the point I was making about this. I guess we will go to the other articles then. Um, <laughs> Listen, so it happens all the time. Have... You know, uh, the, the amount of topics we go through at the speed at which we go through them, I lose track of stuff. So it's, it's yeah, uh, you, you know, you're, I lose track and then we do it to oh, each yeah. other. That's, that's okay. We'll listen to the podcast and um, go, oh, yeah, that's what I meant to say. And then you think of it later. Yeah, it's just normal. Um, MSNBC, mm-hmm. this is the one that cracked me up. Mm-hmm. Conservatives like Green, that would be Marjorie Taylor Green, use Maui to attack aid for Ukraine. This, I think, is a total distortion. So we're going to have a little fun with this. We got some. Absolutely. Some time it was the here. other way around. Okay, well, that's what I want to talk to you about. It. Okay, now for folks that don't know, uh, Bianca and I disagree on, on virtually everything for solutions, but we I think we agree completely on what the problems are, and so that's why it's so much fun to have you on. 
uh, just to be able to talk mm-hmm. about these things. So, so tell me why you, you brought this article, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I was thinking as I read it. We're going to talk about individual sections. Well, actually, it was the other way around. It was uh, the, the Biden administration trying to tie Maui relief um, to Ukraine funding. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and that's the thing. And, and, um, and that right there is just a, you know, a deep state flag right there. I'm starting to think of those Jeff, Jeff Fox worthy jokes, like, here's your sign. You know, oh, that'd be a great routine. Oh, we've got to do that. You know, you're a deep state <laughs> when <laughs> you might be when, a redneck. Yeah, you know. yeah. So, so the equivalent is you when might you try be to deep like state. use poor people's hoard, you know, to pay for a war nobody really wants. Yeah. Um, you might be deep state. So that's, that's actually thing. brilliant. Now you're in the active yeah. biz. Uh, you should make a video of that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll post well, it. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. it you might be deep state, especially coming from progressive. You might be a deep that'd state. be hysterical. You know, because, you know, a yeah. lot of people, especially conservatives, think that, you know, deep state and progressive, you know, Democrats kind of go hand in hand. And folks need to understand there's a difference between progressive and, and, and traditional deep state Democrat. Well, I don't say traditional, but deep state yeah. Democrat. And so I have uh, no use for deep state Republicans. I don't. Uh, any more than you have used for deep Nobody state Democrats. So, <laughs> so the deep state is like mm-hmm. the enemy. It's, it's that. Uh, did you ever read my article on the nation of government? I wrote it about Washington, D.C. being its own country. I think you'd find it fascinating. I can send it to you. Well, it's the only federal city in, in, yeah. in the only federal yeah. city in, in, yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to Ukraine and Maui because this is uh, yeah. um, this is quite fascinating. No, I agree, and you know, it is it is just so glaring right there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 pay for something that really people don't want anymore, especially when so many people are suffering, and now you have people who are suffering, you know, who who didn't, for lack of a better term, didn't intend to suffer. You know, they, they had an accident. Yeah. There's really nothing you can do about it, despite the, what the lawsuits say. Um, there's just nothing you can do about it. All you can do is help them and send mm-hmm. money and resources, and that's it. And then and they're saying, well, we'll help you as long as you, 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 we take more money from you to pay for this war that we think you should care about. But no, really, you know, it doesn't doesn't really matter at all. And it drives up prices in the form of uh, fuel inflation because they're not letting uh, Russia exploit their oil. So the price of oil goes up everywhere and then the price of shipping things goes up and it's, you know, so they don't want to well, say that. Well, that's an increase so in they, prices. They tie that's it to this and, nonsense. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's what they're doing. They're, they're tying it, you know, to, to Ukraine. It keeps spending money despite the fact that so much of America is living in poverty Forty uh, percent of Americans can't afford a five hundred dollar financial setback, and these guys are spending money like drunken sailors in Ukraine. What the hell are they doing? Well, it's ask yourself why they're not helping why? the people in Maui, giving them seven hundred dollars. You know, like that. What is that? I mean, come well, on. You know, and it's the same thing in Florida too. It's the same thing in Ohio. You know, they're 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 saying, well, you know, here's a little bit of something. I always make the analogy, like in San Francisco, it's like. Um, you have a person dying on the street of like cardiac arrest and the city's response is, Hey, let's get you a nice teeth whitening, huh? Come on. No, heart surgeon. <laughs> that's, that's teeth whitening. Uh, that's cruel, but that's yeah, what you need. Very accurate. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you'll look great. You know, it's like, yeah, but I'll be dead too. Like, well, that's unfortunate. You know? So, so, so let's talk about this because help them. why, why would the, why would the Biden government do this? Why would they be sending billions? It's like $150 billion. That's like a third of the defense budget, which is like 750. Maybe it's a little less than that. But anyway, it's, it's a huge amount of money. $150 Here's billion. Here's your deep dollars state sign. 
Yeah, but they're paying. But but why though? And so they're they're paying the health and welfare benefits of the Ukraine people and government. They're paying pensions. They're paying people for things that we don't have in this country. Uh, so why would they do that? Well, weapons you know, and, mostly, but. Uh... Okay. And um, the the thing is, why would they're doing is, is a lot of things. One, to not to kind of stand up to Putin, which is ridiculous, because the right the way to really stand up to Putin, you know, one he's got an arrest warrant, so just put a billion dollar bounty on his head, and his own people will turn him in. You know, that's how you. I really he's pretty popular Putin, right now. See, Putin, I think, is a problem. You know, I think it's our own government's a problem. No, well, Putin, without, yeah, no, Putin without our big, government, we would have a, huge a war. Problem. Okay, so we disagree but, on that. Uh, that's you know, the, it's um. It's also because people have all these investments in Ukraine, and I think what they're also trying to do is jostle them to eventually become part of NATO too. And I think Zelensky has been trying to like you know, kind of auction that off to the highest bidder, so to speak. Like, well, I won't join NATO if you give me this Putin, and then you know, he's going to the Americans. Like, what do you give me to you know join NATO? So I think he's been auctioning off kind of support there, and it just kind of backfired in his face. Yeah, um, they've lost like three to four hundred thousand people. You yeah, know? and we had yeah, um, these, these people are very, very um, uh, was stubborn, um, for lack of a better word. Uh, you know, in World yeah, but, War II, but, but, there was something like twenty-seven million losses for the Russians. Yeah, they just kind of don't know when to say quit. <laughs> well, no, um, they don't. They didn't want to surrender to Germany. I, mean, I understand that. Yeah, uh, you know the equivalent would be someone explained it like the eastern third of the United States, you know, from New York out to mm-hmm. Ohio somewhere. If that was completely burned to the ground, uh, and uh, I don't know what twenty million, uh, whatever the equivalent population loss here would be, uh, I think it's like one in seven Russians mm-hmm. uh, was killed yeah. in that war. Eighty percent of the men, eighty percent of the men born in nineteen, I think twenty two were killed because they would have been eighteen in, in uh, uh, nineteen forty. So 80% mm-hmm. of an entire generation of men who turned 18 in 1940 killed, 80%. Can you imagine that we, we have never suffered a loss like that in this country? So, but the, the yeah. problem is, and we had, we, had, um, we had a wonderful person, Dr. Peter Pry, who used to be on the show, uh, Washington, D.C., insider, nuclear weapons expert, EMP, electromagnetic policy, knew all that stuff. And he was saying that, and we went over the six points that Putin said you know, this is this is what'll this is what'll stop a war. We don't want to go to war if we can just get a few things. And and the most important one was that Ukraine doesn't join NATO. Well, that doesn't affect the average American citizen at all, whether Ukraine's in NATO or not. So to us it wasn't an issue. But for for NATO and for the growth of NATO and the increasing budget of NATO and the further taxing of the American taxpayer, it's a big deal for the, the upper echelon folks, the deep state. So they, the deep state basically caused this war. This was an unnecessary war. Absolutely. There's no reason for it at all. Okay, so now we agree on that. No. So now the question is, uh, why, isn't, why aren't people stopping Biden and the crew or, or the, you know, his, his puppet masters from this war? Why don't they just stop Well, it? we've tried, actually, in the progressive end. Uh, we've, we've had yeah. some rallies. Um, okay. Oh, uh, I think we had one back in October. There's another one. They're doing, there's this um, group called Code, uh, Code Pink. It's mostly it's women. Or against right. the war, or against wars in general, really, uh-huh. and and we oppose this. It's it's a lot. Um, I can tell you, AOC has taken a lot of hits for her support in this too, and I'm really? personally very disappointed in her. Yeah, um, I mean, I think her emotions more, right? got the better of her. But what she's what saying she... is like children are being, you know, children are you know being killed and you know suffering, and it's like that's true, but that. that 
that happens all over the world, and we're not really helping those people either. Like, just just look at what's happening in Africa right now with all their coups. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, that is very some, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the, this moral high ground really holds no water. Right. Um, so it, it is big among the progressive movement. We we don't approve, you know, war, you know, starting wars is generally against our DNA. And so, yeah, we do, we are demonstrating against it. Um, they seem to have had some traction with their own kind of PR. When I say own, I mean like the deep state in terms of like trying to make this some sort of a humanitarian thing. And, it's not. you know, villainize Putin more. Yeah, it's not. Um, well, this is where the progressives and the that's the, what we need the, to get away. You know, they have these Ukrainian women crying on TV. It's just oh yeah, uh, it, it never ends. Um, but uh, I, no, I think that's definitely William one of the main reasons it's going to cause Biden to, um, to lose. Uh, and the, the thing is, I don't think it's going to be so much of a Trump victory as as a Biden failure as a Democrat. No, I, see, I, I think it's going to be a huge you know, Trump victory. Uh, but that's we're, we're yeah. going to talk about that a lot as the campaign goes. But uh, but the problem is yeah. this would be a perfect case for the House Freedom Caucus and the Progressive Caucus to get together because mm-hmm. a that would be I couldn't uh, agree more. Interesting for the country to see um, that, uh, and this is this is this actually happens a lot more than people think. There are certain issues that uh, you can be, you know, way to the conservative end or way to the progressive end of the political spectrum and agree, maybe for different reasons, but the outcome is still the same. That war is bad. I haven't, uh, you know, personally approved of anything since World War II. The last, you know, if it's not declared, if it's not a declared war, first of all, it's not a legitimate war. So you look at Korea, Vietnam, yeah. Iraq, uh, so Afghanistan, and Ukraine. Action. Yeah, none of those have been uh, constitutional wars, not one. And yet they've gone on for 20 years. And they've made uh, the bankers and the uh, military Korea industrial... Korea is still going you know, on. Yeah, well, because it's cause Korea, people make money Korea on. is technically still going on. It's, just, it's an indefinite yeah. ceasefire. And mm-hmm. the thing is, who, you know, who cares? If Korea wants to be communist, let them be communist. You know, if, you're, if your system of government is so flimsy that you can't you know, with, withstand some sort of a contrast you know, uh, geopolitically, and it's really not much of a government. You know, I, I don't think, you know, co- you know, communism is contagious or there's some sort of, a, you know, like that. Oh, that's domino what, theory? Um, Dwight Eisenhower yeah. argued. If you're getting yeah. your, po- you know, your economic policy from a soldier, you're a little off base to begin with. Okay. Um, well, I mean, he was, not, he wasn't your average soldier, uh, but I mean, he was general of, of all the European operations. So well, he was, yeah, he was a general, so he, but was it really that much of a victory after Oppenheimer? I don't think so. Um, so just because he happened to be, be the commander when, you know, when, when Germany lost does not necessarily make him a brilliant, um, tactician. The Russians, like the Russians won the war in Europe, um, Clearly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, it was it was like one tenth versus nine. Russia fought like nine tenths of the European war. And, and then, you know, Britain, France yeah. and uh, the United States fought like one tenth of the war. I mean, it was it was a completely different. What happened? In, that's all. I've taken a look at that. Let's get back to this article. We've got uh, if you have a few minutes, we can run overtime a little bit. Um, but there's some things mm-hmm. here I find interesting. Conservatives like Green use Maui to attack aid for Ukraine. I think this is misunderstood. I'm going to the tweet. So the tweet from Marjorie Taylor Green, Joe Biden. Send more billions to Ukraine. No comment from Maui. If you are in, uh, in Maui and need help, go to. Oh, that was just a disaster. Thing. But the, the, I think these lines are, are. I think she wrote this badly. It says send more billions to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's like she's saying, you know, that you should send more billions to Ukraine. She's not. She's saying that this is the problem. Yeah. You know, it should have said, you know, why send more billions to Ukraine? But she, I think she wrote it wrong. And this is no comment from Maui. So the question is, why would you send billions to Ukraine and have no comment from Maui? 
So I think she might have been misunderstood there. Uh, she just wrote her comment badly. From what I know, I've actually met Marjorie Taylor Greene. And so from what I know of her, what I've observed, you know, she would be uh, in favor of cutting off the war in Ukraine and sending the money to, to Maui or how much is needed. That's so what I, I would be in favor of, too. And, so and I think I might have misquoted her there. You know, uh, send, send, send money to the you know, people who are dying here in America and help those people out as opposed to like helping people out in a country, you know, halfway around the world that is not entirely without guilt themselves. Yeah. Um, but, and there's the other comment too about like, remember Oprah and you know, the rock trying to get billionaires trying article. to ask poor people to, <laughs> to bail out, you know, other poor that, people. I love that. That's wh- great. That was hysterical. I'm reading this. And let me yeah. get, let's go to that article because I want to come back to this other one probably next week because we've got climate change things I want to talk to you about. We don't have time this week. But uh, I, I think mm-hmm. the comment down below where this woman said, uh, I said, okay, she says, uh, she says 10 million, you know, the, the, they've donated 10 million they, and they're worth like 3 billion between the two of them, right? And it says 10 million mm-hmm. is, is 0.5. In other words, half a percent of 2 billion. So you want my you want my half percent? Okay, here's 16 bucks. <laughs> so 16 bucks to her is equivalent <laughs> to the 10 million to them. That was yeah. hysterical. And it really puts it in perspective. You know, it's like if you're a billionaire yeah. and you want to donate quietly, go ahead. You know, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt these people to donate a million dollars. But why are you asking people that, ha- that are totally strapped with inflation, that, that haven't uh, been as successful, to donate what money they have? That makes no sense. Yeah, that that is that is hilarious. That cracks me up. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that why one. she's taking all the flack that she is. It's just you know, just just give the money to that upset about. It. I mean, she actually is like the largest landowner in Hawaii. Well, that's another um, question. Are, is she being bailed yeah. out? Is her land being bailed out? Well, partially, you know, because the thing is, is that you know, you as much as some people would like to try, you can't live in a bubble. You know, you want to be able to go out and enjoy you know, restaurants and things like that. And in order mm-hmm. to do that, those people need infrastructures. They need their streets to work. They need other people to be housed and employed so that they can pay money for taxes and that they can support. And so if you, if the infrastructure is destroyed, it's not much of a paradise for you, you know, unless you want to build your own restaurants and, you know, whatever else you'd like to do that you have to go into town for on your property. Mm-hmm. And I could see some of these people being megalomaniac and have to do it too. But um, mm. no, so, you know, you know, I've said this before. It's like, what's the point of being, you know, rich if, you know, if if your whole nation is one terrible dystopia, and you know, you're not going to have anything to enjoy unless you unless you want to stay in your own bubble. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think there's a, there's a certain next next network externality that she's lost uh, um, through this fire, and you know. Other, and her and other rich people like that. You know, I my ex-boyfriend was the guy who used to own the Chronicle here in San Francisco, and he mm-hmm. had like the second biggest house over there too. And so he, you know, he would be a wait, wait, wait. Uh, I'm thinking Chronicle. Who was the one who was married to Sharon Stone earlier? Was that that was the Open oh, Tribune, yeah, right? The, okay, I don't want to. I don't no, mention no, names that was, personal. Uh, I don't want to do the that. Examiner just, of the Chronicle. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious because I was just wondering if you're in the news if this was like a public thing at all. Okay. But, so yeah, it's it's hilarious what these people try to do. It's the same thing with um, huh. you know environmental causes too. The primary difference between Biden's plan and Green New Deal is Biden's plan wants poor people to pay, you know, for climate solutions. 
our plan with the Green New Deal is uh, climate solutions are paid for by the people who cause them. So, yeah. you know, you have your Tom Steyer Democrats and things like that who roll their sleeves up and say, hey, I'm just like you, except I have billions of dollars. And yeah, I yeah, want you to pay like for my <laughs> environmental causes. Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Better than shut up, you know, put the money up and don't make a big deal about it. All right. Um, or or if, even if they don't, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if they donated, but, you know, it's not a requirement. But the worst thing is to no. be that rich and require people that aren't that rich to pay instead. That's just if yes, that's exactly. Just yeah, that's where I have the problem. That's the Yeah, let me get one sentence here that really bothered me uh, about this article. And it says here, uh, although the case, this is the MSNBC article, it says, although the case of the wildfires Mm -hmm. has yet to be determined, the severity of the damage was undeniably amplified by climate change. Okay, so we're we're going to have a we're going to have an interesting discussion sometime. I'd like to do it next week, actually, on climate change, uh, because I don't think there's any you know, validity to that whole theory at all. I think it's totally wrong. Uh, I think that, and even if the climate is, I'm sure the climate is changing, but you're not going to legislate your way out of it. You're not going to uh, do things. So I want to talk about the Green New Deal as to, as to what might be some good parts of it uh, to improve efficiency, you know, um, but what's not being good. You know, like wind farms uh, well, I think in the, the ocean first are, are killing whales. Is, yeah. is to, one, help those people what, in the way that they need and then figure out what caused it. You know, not put the car before the horse. Okay. Well, I think we we figured out what caused it. I mean, I, I remember I've gone over several articles. It basically, there's like no, three big like things. the idea to like you know make make the news about like you know climate change rather as opposed to helping them. You know, now let's it, it's like exploiting a, a gun a, a school shooting for gun control. Right. You know, it's like that's not really appropriate at that time. Well, it's not the issue either. Yeah. The issue was there were fires. But yeah. it, let me see if you have the same conclusions I do. What it looked at, and we went over this on the show, you know, a few times. Um, you had a situation where we had high winds. You know, we're talking hurricane force. Mm-hmm. Uh, category yeah. one is, and I'm familiar with hurricanes. I've been through one here. 74 miles an hour is category one. That's where it begins. And these were 75 plus mile an hour winds. So the hurricane force, it wasn't mm-hmm. a hurricane because you didn't have a storm. So you had hurricane force winds, you had dry. Apparently it was a lot drier than the other islands. I didn't know that. Um, you had power lines yeah, that were that's old. that's the weird part. Yeah. So this didn't happen on Oahu yeah. or anywhere else. It happened on Maui. It, it's, a, it's a tropical area, you know, so it, it should be pretty humid. Um, but it's not. And no, it wasn't. That's the thing. Um, they were saying that there, because of climate change is that they uh, they had a very dry summer. And so all that all that you know, vegetation, which should have been lush and, you know, basically filled with water was dry and, um, and very arid and just, you know, basically a tinderbox up there. Yeah. It's like the open fire. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be for Oakland. It's supposed to, you know, in the summer it gets very like, you know, arid and dry and Mm -hmm. you have these, uh, I forget what's the name for them, but they're, they're called evergreen trees and things like that. Oh, the eucalyptus trees? Um, yeah, eucalyptus. No, no, it's 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 a it's a tree that doesn't um, that doesn't shed their leaves in, in the fall, so they're called conifer. evergreens. But there's a, there's a yeah conifer. conifer, yes. Conifers and so, deciduous. Con- uh, so yeah, conifers don't shed deciduous, their leaves. Yeah, yeah. Deciduous so, um, trees drop their leaves. Yeah. So but you had it, fuel it was for some. Yeah. That's that that's what's that's what's not supposed to happen in Hawaii. That's the thing. That's what they're. Right. That's why they're saying it was climate change, is because um, normally in Hawaii everything would be kind you of know, lush and rainy, like kind of all year round, like like, like a rainforest, really. Um, but I think it was normal for Maui. Then, I think Maui has always had, uh, and uh, the research I said, it looks like it has a fairly dry climate. 
which is interesting because most tropical I places. I can't speak to that. Yeah, I, I can't because I looked it up. Um, but it's interesting yeah. that it's, it's been traditionally dry compared to most places in, in Hawaii where it rains every day at 4 o'clock. And I explained that. Yeah. You know, I'll do that another time, too. But, but what, I'm, what I'm challenging, this is something we need to do next week, is the idea that the fires are mm-hmm. climate change because they happen during the summer, which is a regular feature of every year. They happen during the driest part yeah. of the summer, the fall, where the winds are the strongest. That, that happens every year. So it's not so much climate change. It's just these are conditions. You don't get as many fires in winter, but you do, you do get fires in winter. So how do you explain winter and fires? And in the case of California, change? people actually cause them. <laughs> Well, that's the other problem. In Greece, they arrested like 97 people, you know, connected with arson. So there's, there's an environmental, yeah. you know, I would call it an environmental wacko problem. People that are causing fires to say, well, it's climate change. No, you started the fire. So that's not helping the cause. If climate change is real, which I don't believe it is. That's um, not helping anything, really. <laughs> it's not helping anybody. Because, you know, the, yeah. the Reichstag fire. It's like Hitler sets fire to the, the German parliament and blames the Jews. So the Jews started this. We have to go after the Jews. Okay, so this is like climate change, you know, we, and by somebody who started a fire. I mean, that's not helping your cause. Uh, you can argue it, and you and I can disagree mm-hmm. on climate change, and I'm sure we will, but we're not causing mm-hmm. fires, or we're not, you know, we're not getting our view across by, by creating some kind of sabotage. But that's the problem I have with this. When it's, and then this is the fires have yet to be determined. Three things are, uh, one, the power lines were left charged, you know, during the time when they were breaking. That was the first problem. Second problem was the water guy withheld water. The, the fire department had no water to fight the fire. And the third one was the sirens. The emergency sirens were never blasted. Those to me seem very... Well, they shouldn't the have been. No, they, why? why would they turn on the sirens? It would be ridiculous because they're tsunami sirens. That's their sole but they're, not, they're emergency sirens. So, they're not tsunami sirens. That's the thing. No, no. That's, that's what they're saying. They're saying that they're, these sirens are dedicated exclusively you know, for tsunamis. I mean, why would you have a fire siren in Hawaii, right? Well, so, um, and, the, and the protocol for, for tsunamis is uh-huh. to run up a hill. Believe me, I make a note of where the tall hills are in San Francisco in case a tsunami ever comes here. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, you, so you, at that point, you'd run into the fire. So the, the guy was right. You know, the guy was in charge of that. It's like, you know, I signed a, you know, you fire off the tsunami fires for uh, tsunami sirens for what purpose? It would actually just hurt people. And, Except you know, they the could broadcast line, on AM radio, I mean, it, which everybody has. You know, they could broadcast. For the five you know, people who listen for. to AM radio in Hawaii. <laughs> well, they could broadcast on, on social media. They could broadcast. They have the emergency. I get, I get Amber Alerts on my phone. They could do, I get emergency that's, broadcast. That's I get tornado That's the better warnings. one right there. Now, that's, yeah. that's the million-dollar question is why didn't you get the, the alert on your phone? Yeah. And that, that's a good question. That's where, okay. that's where the rubber hits the road right there, too. Yeah. And the electrical stuff, I mean, that what they're claiming is that they needed to keep the wires electrified so that they, they could um, keep pumping water. That's what they're saying. I don't buy that. And I, no, I think the guy talked about his revered water and he didn't want to release it. He talked about water equity and stuff, and it just looked, it sounded like nonsense to me. So I think uh, yeah. we got to look into the water. I'll didn't hold the a lot of water, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I'll grant you on the sirens, if they, if they understood that to be a tsunami, I understood it to be an emergency siren. Like San Francisco has emergency no. sirens. They blast it yeah. what, once a week, you know, for... Uh, yeah, they actually stopped uh, doing that two years ago. Oh, they did? Why? Yeah, they're trying to bring it back now. They're saying they, they got the funding to fix because they, 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 <laughs> they didn't have the money to fix it. And nobody cared anyway because it was COVID and everyone was in their houses anyway. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. I used <laughs> so to actually funding have fun got with I would do that on my... Yeah. Uh, I would do that on my tour, and when the, we'd be up at uh, Twin Peaks, 
which is overlooking San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful out there. But there's a siren right near Twin Peaks. I think there's one like behind us, you know, that would blast. And I, and I used to look at my tour folks and go, Air Raid, everybody down. <laughs> you know, they'd all duck down. Mm-hmm. And they'd look at me and they go, Air Raid, what are you talking about? Sorry, I was just having fun. You know, so but that was me. It was my, my bad, bad humor on tours. But yeah, they, they blast. I think those were, I don't know if they went after Well, they came here for memories. <laughs> well, they got a memory with me. I, I do all kinds of crazy stuff. They got a memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Air Raid. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, Air Raid? Anyway, um, we should probably hold it up for today. But uh, if you do, yeah. if you want to talk about green energy, give me a chance to take a look at, at some of the program, programs. Well, tell me the difference between the climate change and the green energy agenda, the one that you approve of and the one you don't. That would be a great topic for next week if you want to do that. But just let me give you okay. some stuff ahead of time. I can take a look. That would be fascinating. Um, let me give you the last word. Good deal. Then I'm going to play some uh, announcements and things. And then uh, this has been great today. Thank you for coming on. It's been wonderful. I'll talk to you. Looking forward to our chat next week. Yeah, uh, uh, appreciate it. It's always great to be here, and uh, you know, for you know, for conservatives to hear these kinds of things, I think it's important. Absolutely. Um, and um, so, if you, if you want to find out more about us, just go to www.bianca4sanfrancisco, all one word .org, uh, or you can just Google Bianca for San Francisco. We actually do hire a lot of people remotely, and uh, a lot of well, actually working with some of the schools to get them, you know, for kids to get school credit for writing reports and doing research for us that are not which are um partisan independent skills so they can take anywhere and go anywhere and do anything with um and we are we are continuing to fight the menace that is nancy pelosi and mm-hmm. we've gotten we've gained a lot of ground we basically took her down we're going to finish the job with the next election Good. Well, and, conservatives should um, get behind you. You should have talked to conservatives. If you could tell conservatives this, you know, and, and America mm-hmm. First folks, if they knew, because we don't like Nancy Pelosi any more than you do, um, but uh, you mm-hmm. have the means to, to you know, run against her and advocate against her, you'd, I think you'd find tremendous allies, you know, and that's, that's part of the reason I like having you on to talk about things that people, people don't understand that progressives and Democrats are, are two different creatures. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. And, and people need to start thinking of, uh, of the of politics as less of a spectrum and more like a three-dimensional sphere, where okay. you know interests in, you know intersect with each other like kind of like veins of ore you know in in the ground. Oh, that's an interesting uh, analogy. Yeah. Is there an article so on that? Get, I, can I always end on a good food. Spot. No, you do. No, it's, this is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I got to think about that. Uh, you got me thinking now. So yeah. That's what I live to do. So. <laughs> Um, on that. Thanks for having me, and I'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Bianca. So, wow. <laughs> this has been a great day. Um, you know, from Bill Fecky to Wendy Arthur to Bonnie Nesbitt to Bianca Von Creek, uh, Wednesdays are just a very interesting time for me. This this, hour, this show has flown by. Like I said, I'd much rather talk to other folks than uh, sit here and just kind of ramble aimlessly myself. So, same group back next week. That's our Wednesday lineup now, and so we're going to keep it. Uh, I never got a chance to play my information, so I'm going to play it now at 1013. We're a little bit on overtime, but uh, for the folks that listen to the podcast, this way you'll get your information uh, for contacting us, and I'll be back tomorrow, uh, 7 a.m. Now, tomorrow we got two hours open, so tomorrow's the exact opposite. Uh, I'll probably do uh, one of my uh, WBY interviews and just ramble aimlessly for an hour. Um, and actually, we have the third hour open, too. Tomorrow's going to be a weird day. <laughs> I'll figure something out. All right, until then. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, where we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site 
is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy.
This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.